This is Monty in the Morning, the show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk radio show in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. Number one whenever news breaks during your day. And number one whenever and wherever you want to talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. Hey, yo, man. How the heck are you? Good to see you on Tuesday, August 23rd, 20... 22? Yeah, it's 2022, yeah. Bro, 10 days to Hawaii. Your voice sounds way better today, by the way. Sounds good today. Sounds ready to go. Too bad yours doesn't ever. Uh, 10 days to Hawaii. Do not forget to join us on Saturday, September 17th. It is a big day in this state for football as BYU is in Oregon to take on the Ducks at Autzen Stadium. We'll be at Barbecue Pit Stop in Lehigh having a watch party. We're going to have a plethora of wings. We are going to have pizza, smokers. We're going to have amazing spices and rubs because you know that's what you get when you go to Barbecue Pit Stop. September 17th. Come and join us for that event. At the half of that watch party, we are going to announce the winner of our BYU-Notre Dame drive-away to the Shamrock Series in Las Vegas, where you get two tickets to see BYU and Notre Dame at Allegiant Stadium. You get two nights at the Palms Resort Hotel and Casino. As well, you get a $250 gas card to get you there. And all you have to do is go to any of the five locations for barbecue pit stop in the state of Utah. All the way down south, are you? That's fine. They have a store in St. George. Lehigh, Layton, Logan, and of course right here in the great city of Salt Lake. It's actually Murray proper, but who's counting? Yeah. There's a drop box on the counter with our beautiful photo on it. Just fill out the slip, drop it in the box. You're good to go at barbecue pit stop. I just spit everywhere. Um, (laughs) That's all you have to do. Check them out online at bbqpitstop.com. Without further ado... Uh, Mr. Jake, let's talk about Oregon and the Big Ten because the Oregon Ducks had what I would call representatives Mm -hmm. in Chicago meeting with representatives of the Big Ten to explore a relationship with Oregon and the Big Ten. And would it be a good fit? Can we just truth tell about Oregon to the Big Ten? It's not a good fit. No, it's not a good fit. It's a great fit. Oregon and the Big Ten are a very good fit. Oregon, listen, can we we I understand it. They're not the they're not Northwestern. They're not the Ivy League of the Pacific Northwest, but they are an AAU institution, which means they are a well-respected research institution. And let's be honest, that's all you need because Oregon, they play football. They have Phil Knight, they have Tinker Hatfield. Those guys are working behind the scenes to get into the Big Ten. Jake, is it enough in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I look, Oregon is is a a, a, a great school. I, I mean, there's just no getting around that. Whether you're looking at football, whether you're looking at you know being in 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 the AAU you know um, column or ranking, if you will, or having that distinction, like that's a big deal. It matters. I think. What I find so funny about this whole situation, though, is when you start looking at the, I believe it's 62 schools that have the the AAU distinction and and basically saying, hey, these are very prestigious research institutions. Um, it's funny how that conversation and that label 
is applied um, within the college football expansion conversation. So what I mean by that is we're, the college football expansion conversation, as far as the Pac-12 and the Big Ten are concerned, is revolving around money. Hey, we're the Big Ten. We just signed this huge TV rights deal for $7 billion, and it likely can escalate to 10 if we add schools like Oregon and Stanford and Washington and Cal or whatever. You know, if we add those five schools, we can escalate that and get that up to 10 for our TV rights. But what's funny is, is that it, the AAU thing only becomes important when we talk about the Big Ten adding schools. It's not as though because the Pac-12 has a bunch of AAU schools that somehow that guarantees their success. And that's what I think is funny about this conversation. Everyone wants to talk about, well, are you a research institution? Are you a college of higher learning? Right? You want to talk about that when we look at adding the school, but when we look at what actually matters and what really stirs the drink of revenue generation in college football, nobody cares about AAU labels, in my opinion. What matters is, are you relevant on the football field? Are you winning football games? Are you going to Rose Bowls? So then when I got a little deeper into this AAU label thing and, and, and being a prestigious institution, I start to look at Utah and I start to wonder, well, hold on a second. Who's done more winning in the Pac-12? Who's, who's done more recently? Who's been the more yeah. relevant team? Yeah, Utah has been the more relevant team. So then I start to wonder, okay, well, hey, I, you know, cool. Oregon's in has this label, but they haven't been winning, but yet the Pac or the Big Ten is still very interested in them. Where is Utah in all of this? How is it that Oregon is more is looked at as more of a crown jewel than Utah, even though Oregon hasn't been doing much winning lately? That's I guess what's the, incredible. So the direct question is, are the Utah Utes doing enough to market themselves? I think are, definitively it's no. And this this Big Ten thing really puts this on like another level when i look at like you know oregon being in this conversation and utah not i just think there's no way around that the answer well, is no make, make the case then what is it that the utah, utah utes have done to deserve more credit if you will what is it that the utah utes have done to put them on a level playing field with the oregon ducks why do you play football what is the whole point of playing football if you're a college institution to make money that's the whole point right from a from a high level i'm running this school what do you care about? What does Tom Homo at BYU care about right now, right, before you enter the Big 12? Well, in the past decade, you've cared about scheduling and making money, right? Because if you schedule big games, win or lose, you're going to make money. So with, with Utah, to me, you, you've been climbing. You've been slowly but surely raising your profile through winning football games and playing at a really high level and being in the college football playoff conversation every year. And the problem is... The, the issue is, is that Utah is not executing on the branding front. People in New York City need to know who Kyle Whittingham is. They need That's to know right. who Cam Rising is. Nobody, I got news for you, and this is going to piss off a bunch of Utah fans. Nobody cares about the Utah Utes out east. I guarantee it. Nobody cares. You know who people think about in the Pac-12? Oregon. That's who people think about. You know who Ohio State thinks about? Oh, well, they do think about the Utes because they almost lost, right? So they're the only people out there that think about the Utes. I'm telling you that Utah has to do better. You know, we're getting on Twitter from players in the Utah program that we've got NIL news coming and, you know, all this NIL stuff is finally happening. Well, I'll be curious to see what that is because I think that matters. But I'm just telling you, Utah has to do better 
overall. I think the big struggle is I, I, I don't know that Utah looks at itself as a premier football program. I would hope that they do, but they certainly don't act that way. And I agree with you that if, if we're comparing apples to apples, I would rather I would rather have the Utah Utes than the Oregon Ducks in my conference. I would. I don't know that they're mutually exclusive. I uh, certainly I, I would think they're not. But if you look at what Oregon actually brings to the table, Oregon brings significantly more money to the table. Oregon with Nike, and I think that's why we've seen Phil Knight so involved in these situations. Mm-hmm. I think Oregon with with the Nike money, I think Oregon with the uniforms, I think Oregon with the reputation, I think Oregon with the brand, I think Oregon with the marketing. I think all of that is why Oregon has so much ability to go to the Big Ten and say, hey, we're going to fly in, let's have a meeting. And the Big Ten's going to answer, and the Big Ten's going to listen. Now, is Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten, in on that? No, he's not. But does he need to be? No, he doesn't. What he needs is he needs the people around him and those that he trusts to meet with Oregon and evaluate Oregon. And I'm tired, by the way, of hearing about how Oregon isn't an institution of higher learning. Get out of here with that. Yes, they are. Oregon is a fine institution. Oregon is a research institution, not to be redundant. Oregon's in the AAU. Like, there's there's nothing to talk about. Who's not in the AAU? Well, University of Utah is not in. So... That's why I say it's so funny. That's why I started this conversation with when does the AAU conveniently matter and when does it not matter? Well, it didn't matter last year when Utah went to the Rose Bowl and like did winning and good footballing and like they were relevant and making the Pac-12 money, right? It didn't matter then. But now with Big with Big Ten expansion and really the fall of the Pac-12, now it does matter. And that's what's frustrating. By that's the way, the I, would, thing. I would correct you. Utah is... Oh, they are? Yes. Then I have bad information. That's my bad. But my point is, my point is, is that nobody knows that. When you look at what the AAU is, and for those of you who don't know, the AAU essentially says that your university combines research and education. And the AAU has very high standards. I mean, you look at some of the the lists, pretty much everybody in the Pac-12 is in. Um, if, if you look at, you know, Colorado Boulder in, you know, for instance, I believe Cal and Stanford were founding members. Like it is not a low bar. It is a high educational bar. We need to stop talking about education because by the way, when we're talking about getting into the big 10, I don't think what your educational standard is matters. How much money are you going to make me? How much, if we're being, you know, dollars to donuts, how much are you going to put me on national TV? How much can you get me in a TV deal? How many eyes can you bring to the TV? That's what should matter. Utah brings people to the TV. Utah wins football games. Utah puts itself in the middle of big football games. That's why I say, like when Kyle Whittingham said the other day that these games are big games when they go on the road and they have to win these games. I agree with that 100%. You got you to gotta go and you got to kick the crap out of Florida. You don't need to just beat Florida. You should handle Florida easily that's the level of football that that we want to see from utah this opening week against florida is massive there can be no uh, you know there can be no question coming out of that game these are huge games these are huge decisions that will be made and every opportunity you have to win a football game and win it convincingly i think you have to take advantage of that this is the same conversation um, that, that we have every single year. And when you talk about Oregon and you talk about Oregon being a big fit 
it, or a good fit in the Big Ten. I think they are a phenomenal fit. But has Oregon won any more than Utah has? I could make the argument that Utah has a far more successful football program than Oregon does. I could make the argument that Oregon belongs in the Big Ten before Utah because of branding, because of money, and because of, of perception versus reality. So all of these things combined tell me Oregon is going to get into the Big Ten. I, I don't have any doubt about that. It's a matter of who goes with them. And you know who's not going with them? The University of Utah is not going with Oregon to the Big Ten. And, and it's a shame because I believe that the University of Utah belongs at the top of the college football game, in my mind. That's the way that I evaluate Utah. And again, I'm not a Utah fan, and I know we get a lot of that on this show when we talk about Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12. Oh, you guys are just Utah homers. I'm not. In fact, if I'm a homer, I'm a homer in Notre Dame. Yeah. So I don't know how to break that to you. The reality is, and when we truth tell about Oregon versus Utah, Oregon's got a far better PR machine. Mm -hmm. Oregon, yes. Has Oregon won big games? Yes, they have. Has Chip Kelly been... You know, really, the 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 renaissance man at, at Oregon, he is. He was. Today, he still has a huge impact, and his legacy at Oregon still has a huge impact on that program. But I'm telling you, Utah's a better football program. Utah, the way they recruit, without the, the assets and the resources that an Oregon has, it's remarkable. But yeah. as we talk about Oregon meeting with the Big Ten in Chicago, I guess here's my question. Where is ESPN in on all this? Because I think this is the single biggest question. You're going to lose Oregon at a minimum. I think if we're really truth-telling on the Pac-12, you're going to lose Oregon and Washington. There's almost no doubt about that. What does is, what is ESPN value you at? Because we told you last week, um, our sources confirmed that the Pac-12 and ESPN are having a $300 million conversation. And that's really it. There's nothing beyond that. That was confirmed multiple times after we reported it. So if you're at $30 million a school with Oregon, what are you without Oregon? What are you without Washington? Uh, my guess is that you're you're far less than that. You're $15 million a Fast. school without them. Yeah. And I, I think if you're ESPN, you have very little interest in overpaying for the Pac-10. You have very little interest in and probably paying very much at all for a Pac-8 that doesn't include Oregon and Washington. Yeah. The reality is, without Oregon, the house of cards collapses because Utah's not hanging out, in my opinion. If Oregon and Washington leave, and if there is an agreement with Oregon in the next month, my guess is this conference is dead. And I told you, go back and look at the channel. I think a month ago now. The Pac-12 is dead. It's over. We're... we're George Klyovkov, he's collected a paycheck and we're negotiating. The Pac-12 is dead. It's done. In, in its current incarnation, it's been dead since the day USC and UCLA announced their move. Yeah. It's been dead. But now that you know, Oregon's not just chilling, hoping for a, a phone call. Oregon's out actively looking for a new home for their university. And my guess is it's going to be the Big Ten, and I think justifiably so. Yeah, and it's frustrating as hell to be to be someone who looks at this Utah program and is like, "Hey, like, what what's going on with Utah, man? Like, this yeah. is not like this is not some 
some small university and it, and it, and it's frustrating like you look at you look at their path they they got added to the AAU in 2019 Oregon's been in the AAU since I think 1960 something if if memory serves so like the the path is just completely different but I think that it's just frustrating when you have this great thing happening at Utah where you have all these players and all these kids and this core of this team that's really battled and, and like, you know, pushed through adversity and, like, you have this great story and nobody knows about it, I feel like. Nobody knows, like, anything about it. Unless you live in Salt Lake City, you don't know about these two two kids that have died over the last couple of years. You don't know that Witt almost retired. You like you don't know about the the noodle arm quitter quarterback thing. Like you don't know about any of that. And that and Excuse that to me, me, he's the starting quarterback at uh, Liberty now. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm sure they're a prestigious institution as well. So I'm sure he'll be just fine. But the point <laughs> is is that is that I, I, I just get tired of like having to have this conversation in this state, man. Like, I feel like whether it's the Jazz or, you know, the Utes or whoever, we constantly are talking about where is your video? Where is your branding? Where is this? Where is that? Why is it impossible to watch Jazz games on TV? Why, like, that's what I, what, what kind of burns me out. We get a lot of comments about, hey, I'm burned out on NBA trade talk. I'm burned out on this or that. Like, I'm burned out on our teams in the state not doing their damn job. That's what I'm burned out on, you know, and in, in branding yeah. themselves. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. And I think one of the things that, that's very clear here is the Big 12's just biding its time, as I would be. If you're the Big 12, you're in the catbird seat. You have this year, and then you're going to be sitting pretty. You probably have added new membership, and this is all before you go and negotiate a new TV contract because you look at where the Pac-12 is now. The Pac-12 is bleeding to death. Yeah. the pa- I mean, the Pac-12, li- quite literally, is bleeding to death. And I think they have and, been. Well, I mean, sure, they have been, but they, I, I don't know that that even matters. Right now, the Pac-12, it, it, its destiny is out of its hands because it can't control its membership. So when I say that right now, the Pac-12 is bleeding to death, when you look at the fact that you have power brokers at Oregon, out soliciting new membership in the Big Ten. You can't control that. There's nothing you can do because the other truth bomb on the the Pac-12 is who's signing a grant of rights for five years going forward? Who Who's the school that's doing that right now? Like, let's say today it's announced that the Pac-12 and ESPN have come to an agreement and it's $30 million a year. Is Oregon signing that? Is Oregon granting its rights? to the conference to then turn around and grant those rights to ESPN for the next five years? I don't think so. I don't think so. And you're going to have an awfully difficult time selling an ESPN TV deal for $30 million to its membership when Oregon's probably going out and getting double that as a new member of a, of a new conference. Why would you do that? If you're Utah, are you granting your rights to the conference for the next five years? Damn well knowing that you have a very, very good opportunity to get into the Big 12. No, you're not doing that. Because if 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 the Big 12 is doing what I think they're doing, which is chilling, watching as the Pac-12 lays on the ground and bleeds to death, they're just waiting to go in and cherry pick the best of the rest. That's what they're doing. 
And if I'm the Big 12, that's exactly what I'd be doing. And I think very clearly there's one school that we've talked about a lot on this show that's also sitting in the catbird seat. And you know who I'm going to bring up, Jake? That'd be San Diego State. With their, they just cut the ribbon on their beautiful new football facility. That stadium is gorgeous. What is it? Snapdragon, Snapdragon. Stadium. Yep. 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 Everybody's got leverage except the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. And I just don't see why any of the Pac-12 members that are currently there, why would they ratify a new TV agreement with ESPN right now? Why would they lock themselves in for what... I, from what I understand, is a five-year grant of rights to to ESPN. Why would you do that? I, I, I mean, it just makes no sense. There's nowhere to go if you're the Pac-12 and its members. Yeah, and everyone, as you're explaining, like it's it just everyone is is basically preparing for the death of the conference. If you you know, like that's the thing with San Diego State. Like it's not. It's not any surprise that they just unveiled a new stadium and new facilities and like they're talking about user experience or guest experience and yeah. like you know what I mean like it's not it's not a surprise and, and, it, and it is a it is a beautiful stadium. Yeah. It is. I think that place is going to be an absolute palace and they the, did the, really well. The problem right now is that I think you have certain factions in the Big 12 who want to like buckle their 10-gallon hat chin strap and say, well, we don't want those those liberals from San Diego. <clears throat> well, guess what? They bring more than Mexican food. Like, that is... It's crazy that there are certain factions in the Big 12 who don't want San Diego State. No, no, no. I don't understand that. And I've heard it repeatedly that one of the bigger issues is that there's three, four members of the Big 12 who don't want to add San Diego State. That they would rather have... And I don't, I don't, this was a conversation I had with somebody who told me, well, yeah, they'd rather add SMU than, than San Diego State. Well, that's crazy. I think I, I agree with crazy. you. I, I think from, you know, every standard and every angle of that conversation, besides the cultural comfortability side of the conversation, it is crazy. I mean, there's just no reason you wouldn't want to make that money. You wouldn't want to add the Southern California market. Like yeah. uh, just, you know, everything says you should add San Diego state, but I think what we like to do, and you know, obviously this is a greater discussion, but you know, I, I think we like what we know. We like what we're comfortable with. We like, you know, Hey, instead of going and making the splash signing, we're going to add SMU, you know, because that's what we're comfortable with. I don't, I don't, I don't pretend to be intimately familiar with what's going on in the Big 12. But I can tell you, San Diego State gonna, is going to be a, a huge win. And I got to believe it's a Big 12. Everything that San Diego State offers, mm -hmm. everything that that fan base, and it, it, as small as it is, as mighty as it is, it's valuable because it's Southern California. And the other part of this is, it's the only, it's the only available major athletic program south of California, Berkeley. Mm. That the University of California, Berkeley South. Who else is available? You're not taking Fresno State. How many? Who's heard word one about? Oh, Fresno State, gotta have them. You yeah, do? No, that's not gonna happen. You do? No, you don't. You got to have San Diego State. Yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting to. position to be in if you're San Diego State. You know, it I is. Mean, you, you, you have been this club for the last, I don't know, 
five to 10 years maybe that has been really well respected and probably should have been in a conference a while ago, but you've kind of been playing heartbreaker almost where you've been this team like when they had Penny running the football and they ruined like a bunch of people's seasons. And like, I mean, that's been your well, go brand. back to guys like go back to guys like Kurt Morrison, go back to like San Diego state is a great program. And yeah. this is why I say like, I almost had an argument with, with this, this TV guy was talking to about, you know, how these three, four big 12 schools don't want San Diego state. Mm -hmm. It's like, how many years are we going to go with the big 12 disrespecting SMU and now all of a sudden oh well I'd rather have SMU than San Diego State oh it's funny how that works it's it? remarkable to me that you're talking about I think SMU is one of the most controversial brands in the Big 12 I think when you ask Big 12 members you don't you don't eh, you know and eh, kind of well it doesn't matter I hate SMU no SMU is great I hate SMU no SMU is great that's there is no middle. It's very black and white with SMU. You yeah. either despise SMU or you love SMU. Yeah. And the weird thing is, and I can't definitively say who the three schools are, so I don't want to, but it, if you have three schools in the Big 12 that are like, nah, I don't want San Diego State, it's over. It's over. You, you have to somehow figure out how to how to change that. Yeah. And my guess is that at some point it's going to come down to money because it always comes down to money. Right. Oh, well, are they AAU? Screw AAU. It's about the money. Are we clear on that? It's about the money. Yeah. Plain and simple. And we can go up and down the list and we could talk about AAU, not AAU, whatever. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, if you want to survive, if you're the big 12 right now today and you want to survive, don't do anything. Just chill. And wait for the Pac-12 to die. Wait for Oregon to make a move. The minute that Oregon makes a move, you're in. You got to get the Arizona schools. You got to get San Diego State. You got to get Utah. And if it were me, and I'm just saying, if it were me, right. I would take Oregon State and, and Washington State. Now, to my knowledge, neither one of them are AAU schools. Well, I guess that eliminates them. It's like, ridiculous. But my point is, that's what I would do if I were the Big 12. I would not be in on Boise. I would not be in on Fresno hey, State. you got to say it right. Boise State. Boise State in that I, blue turf. Like I've heard so many times, well, what about UNLV? What about them? What? What? Jerry Tarkanian ain't coming through that door anytime soon. Obviously not. Like, I'm not interested in UNLV. Yeah. I'm interested, if, if I were the Big 12, it'd be the Arizona schools, San Diego State, and Utah. That'd be where I would start. You have to look at Oregon State and Washington State. I obviously Colorado, but I'd be I would want to own the state of Texas just from a pure TV demographic, geography, footprint perspective. If you add SMU, like what don't you have? Cuz you've got Houston, you've got Lubbock, you've got Fort Worth. Yeah. You've got good coverage. I mean, there's no doubt. Now, I mean, it, it, and if if that's me, yeah. I'm all I'm I'm trying to the football in Texas is so good. What do you make of this from the Big 12 perspective? There's this idea being thrown around and, and no, nobody official or anything, but I think it's just a general college football conversation around the fact that the Big 10 and the SEC are sort of these two behemoth juggernaut conferences that are just continuing to grow and continuing to be successful. 
If I'm the Big 12, am I not concerned about that on some level? Like, you know, what do you again, mean? well, like, what if do you, mean if by you that? project forward in college football, you know, 15, 20 years, we get through this cycle of expansion. Then, then we get the college football playoff expansion that happens, and we get to eight teams, maybe even 10 teams. You know, college football just continues to progress. Yeah. Is there not a world in college football where you could see it just being two super conferences, the Big Ten and the SEC? Like in, I don't in, know about in, that. I've heard that before. I, I You're in, not wrong for bringing that up. I, I just don't think that there is – you're not going to have 50-team conferences. I mean, because that's what you have. I, I mean, essentially, you'd make you'd – make, you know, whatever conference you want to point to. The AAC would be just another division. I, I, I don't see that happening. I could see where you would have, you know, if you're the SEC or, well, even more to the point, if you're the Big Ten, I mean, there's a lot of people who think the Big Ten's going after Miami and Florida State mm-hmm. as well. I could see a 30-team conference. Mm-hmm. But at some point, it just becomes too much. Like, you, there aren't enough slices of the pie to go around. And at some point when you get that big, it it becomes a declining proposition for people like Mississippi State, for the the lower teams in those conferences, for the for the Iowa States, for yeah. the for the Purdue's, for the Indiana's, for the smaller teams of those behemoth conferences, it to me it becomes prohibitive. Yeah. That kind of activity becomes prohibitive. I think what you're you're more gonna see is you're going to start to see the smaller schools that, and when I say smaller schools, I don't mean oh well, um, you know, Purdue's got a smaller family. You said they were a small I mean, school. Well, terrible. How dare you? How dare you? Boiler up. Uh, my point is, boiler. When up. you're a smaller brand in Oregon State, a Washington State, yeah. a a secondary brand, yeah. I think you're going to wind up falling off because you're going to get left behind. You cannot compete, Alabama. You know, UAB cannot compete with Alabama. This is Coach Saban. Right? Like, you know, Alabama, Birmingham cannot compete with Alabama. You can't put them in the same conference. Yeah. So at some point, this is about, and again, to your point on on Utah, this is about the haves and the have-nots. Yes. And if you're a have, you better tell somebody what you have. This is Coach Saban. You better brand yourself as a have instead of a have-not. Because in college football, in big money, when you're talking about billionaires and boosters, perception is reality. It's it's SMU versus San Diego State. We don't want them damn liberals from California. Okay, well, then they're going to go somewhere and you're going to wind up losing the Southern California TV market. Well, that's (laughs) fine, because I got J.R. Ewing in Dallas. Like, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, And at some point... Common sense has to come through here. You know, at some point, like, I mean, good business has to win other than the good old boy network. Like it has to money and common sense has to trump the good old boy network. But I think that's what separated the SEC and the Big Ten from the rest of these conferences. That that concept of, hey, good business and doing the right thing for your the health of your conference versus you know, what you're comfortable with. I mean, we can apply that logic to like Larry Scott and the paying ridiculous rent in San Francisco to a number of examples. Flying private jets. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, not having a TV deal. Yeah. Like you you just did what you wanted to do because it was fun essentially. And in that, and the SEC is not operated that way. What do I always say? What do I love to say? Yeah. Go ahead and say it. At some point, you're going to have to do what needs to be done. You don't get to do what you want to do anymore. You have to do what has to be done. 
And the Pac-12. Yeah, I know what time it is. The Pac-12 never got to doing what has to be done. Yeah. They kept doing what they wanted to do. And now, and it's now too they're late. dead. Yeah, now, now it's, it's too, too late. late. It's absolutely too yeah. late. All right, 7 o'clock in Salt Lake City. That means it's 9 o'clock in the east and 6 o'clock in the west. Good morning. This is Monty in the morning. Um, a lot going on on the show this morning. Coming up here in about 35 minutes, we're going to talk Knicks and Jazz. Because I'm going to tell you again that yeah. I was right. You were wrong. <laughs> you know. Right now, however, we are talking about uh, Oregon to the Big Ten. And if you're just tuning in, the news was yesterday that, um, is it representatives? Some in influential folks, Phil Knight at Nike. Um, <laughs> some influential folks at Oregon were in Chicago meeting with some influential folks at the Big Ten. <laughs> trying to figure out if they were a good match. And by all accounts... They're going to they're going to become friends. They're the Oregon is going to join that conference. What will that do to the what will that do to the Pac twelve? Does ESPN still have a desire or an appetite for a Pac eight television uh deal? I'm not without even, Oregon and Washington. I'm not even joking. I don't think that there's even gonna be eight teams left, dude. When the Big Twelve is done, like the Big Ten thing happens, then the Big Twelve cleans up. What's left? And I think the biggest question now is with what's left is anybody willing to grant their tv rights to the to the pac-12 conference because the way that it works is each school gives their rights to the conference and then the conference goes out and sells those rights to espn but you have to ratify that at the conference level before that tv deal is done yeah. and the question is are each of these institutions willing to grant their rights to the conference for five years if it's 15 to 20 million dollars because without oregon and washington i think you're losing half of your value hell no because then you let let's be real clear about this what happens let's 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 play the game yeah do it you lose oregon and washington you have nothing north and nothing south of the san francisco bay area that's it that's the i mean because essentially with all due respect to Corvallis and with all due respect to Pullman, Washington, that's not what brings, you know, eyes to the TV. The milkshake is the Pacific Northwest and Southern California. That's out of the window. And now what? If you don't have Seattle and if you don't have Eugene and if you don't have the Pacific Northwest, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Because Eugene's not a huge TV market, but that's a huge brand. Yeah. So you've lost Oregon, Washington, USC, and UCLA. Do you have a conference left at that point? No. I don't think you do, man. Because it, who's your most valuable property at that point? Yeah, I don't know either. I don't know because I know that Utah brings people to the yard. I mean, people watch Utah games. There's no doubt about that. But isn't aren't the Arizona schools now arguably your most valuable property? I mean, if you look at the other, if you look at the eight teams that would be left at that point, I mean, you're talking about Washington State, Oregon State, Arizona, Arizona State. You're talking about Utah. You're talking about Cal. You're talking about Stanford. Like you're, you, Colorado. Don't, you don't have, you don't have a huge brand at that point. Yeah. So where, where do you go now? Like, what do you do now? 
I, and the answer is, I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think best case scenario. I mean, obviously, you're taking a step back. Like you know, you're yeah. you're you're not. I, yes. I mean, you know, I have no problem saying I, I I'm not fully educated on what defines a Power Five conference and what you know what your thresholds are and like what you got to get to to stay in you know that definition. But I think that you know I nobody's going to respect you certainly at that level anymore. I mean, I, I think that you, you, yeah, I mean, I, it, look, I just think it's a new thing. It's a, it's a, Hey, we're, we're, we were the PAC 12. We went through all this change and expansion, you know, as far as other conferences are concerned, and this is what we're left with. So, Hey, now we got to go back to the ESPN table and we got to figure out, okay, well, what actually are you willing to pay to, to do this? Cause now it's not PAC 12 after dark. It's like PAC seven or eight. Probably. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what you do. And, and again, I think this question of is, is, does ESPN give a damn about the pack eight at that point is, is super relevant. I mean, I, I legit don't know. Like, is anybody really turning on ESPN to watch Arizona state or Washington state or like Arizona state has potential. That's the thing. You could get Arizona state to bring to eyeballs to the TV but not right now. Not with the Herm Edwards scandal and everything that's going on there. That's just not a, a power program right now. Arizona is a basketball school. You you look up and down, and you just don't have a lot of value and, right now. And think about the enrollment at at the schools that would be left. The eight schools that would be left. Arizona's got forty three thousand. Arizona State's got seventy one thousand. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, you have Colorado's got thirty three thousand. Thirty three thousand. Oregon State's got 31,000, right? Stanford's got 16,000, which again goes to my point that Stanford's a tiny school. Stanford has 16,000 students. That's pretty much self-explanatory. You just don't have, yeah. you, you don't have huge enrollment. Even Utah is 33,000 uh, 33, enrollees. Like, if you look at that, I mean, that is a small, small... That's why I say, what is San Diego State? 35, 37,000? Something like that. That's why they become a hugely important. They have a good fan base. They have a passionate fan base. They win football games. They win basketball games. And they're marketable. Brand new facilities, Southern California. Yeah. And people in the Pac 12 are like, no. Big so. 12. Both. They're both, really, I guess. Yeah. Both. Yeah. Both. Yeah. That's why I'm saying, like, I just, I, I, yeah. I don't pretend to understand the way people think about this game. I really don't. All right, yeah. let's get your comments in here. Uh, first one in this morning is Porch Pirates. Oh, Porch Pirates. Okay. So if you missed the show yesterday, we talked about Porch Pirates. And those are the people that steal packages off your porch. And that they were renting U-Haul trucks and okay. all that good stuff. Okay. So Porch Pirates says, do you guys have any tips for cleaning up glitter? Had a job go south. Any tips on where to get a U-Haul would also be appreciated. So that's a reference to the <laughs> glitter bombs. People, there's one guy on YouTube that creates bombs. He puts a fake package on his porch. And in the package is a glitter bomb. So when you open up the glitter bomb, it spools up and shoots glitter all over the place. <laughs> Excellent strategy, sir. Whoever created Porch Pirates, you're a god. Thanks for a great show. Love listening to you guys on my morning route. See what he did there? His morning route because he's, he's a porch pirate. He's See out that? He's out doing it because it's his job. 
on his route. Yeah, see Neville ninety three says good morning. Kurt Myers says good morning. Lord Raiden. No kidding, they want out. Remember, they've already invited themselves to the Big Ten in July. Yeah, Oregon's like, hey, uh, we're we're joining the Big Ten. Yeah. Correct the mundo. The Big Ten's like, wait, you guys are ducks. We we have badgers, ducks and badgers. Yeah, and now we have Trojans. No, and we can't, you know, duck hunting season. Yeah. Kurt Meyer says Mr. Nike should start his own conference. Seriously. Lord Raiden says, I think so too. The reason I keep hearing for Oregon to the Big Ten is Phil Knight wants him there. Well, I mean, the guy's got bread. Yeah. I mean, you look around college football and you look at the biggest boosters, those conf those those schools are all in huge conferences. I mean, that's not look at Utah. The Eccles name is on everything. Right? Like, I mean, the Huntsman name is on everything. Yeah. Those are big money people, you know? So when you look at the, you look at the money and you look at the, you know, the crimson clubs of the world, that's what powers Phil Knight. It's Nike. It's uniforms. It's, you can't tell me that Phil Knight is not making a deal based on what Nike's willing to do for members of the big 10. Yeah. Come on. I mean, that's got, that's got to be in play, right? Like, I mean, yeah. it has to be. Kurt Meyer says Knight could secure TV rights through the Golf Channel and get tons of money with LIV. He could, I guess, if he wanted to. Uh, Kurt Myers also says they should have Sir Charles put on the duck mask before the broadcast. You don't sound serious about that. That is that sarcasm, Kurt? Uh, New York Jazz fan says, watched the Manti Teo doc last night. Couldn't sleep uh, after that. Thank dude, you. Dude, I'm telling Thank you, you, dude. The Manti Teo doc on Netflix will just wreck your night. It's of in sleep. your head, bro. Dude. It is seriously in your bro, head. Bro, it is not good, man. He says, I think a lot of people owe Manti Teo an apology. Media blew that one up, maybe to hide that they don't fact check their stories. I, I think that's exactly right. And I do think that Deadspin. Yeah, Dead, thank you. New York Jazz fan says Deadspin's a whole different story. Teo was basically a boy. He didn't deserve any of this. He was a victim on both angles. Changed him forever. Exactly right. Yeah. Jesse Harsh, good morning to you. Morning, boys. Will Oregon be able to ditch the Pac-12 or has the most appealing thing about their program become their uniform variety? Because right now I'd take Utah. I'd take Utah over Oregon every day. I just think but. that Utah doesn't brand themselves. Yet nobody knows... Does anybody know that Utah's the original BCS buster? Does anybody remember that Urban Meyer used to coach? It, does anybody remember Urban Meyer putting BYU logos in the urinal and BYU logos on the floor so that his players could walk over them and, and take a leak on them? And Stop disrespecting me, bro. Does anybody remember that Utah is the original BCS buster? I don't think anybody remembers that. I, I, and it's because Utah's let them forget. And now you're coming off of a, a Pac-12 championship and one of the best Rose Bowls we've ever, we've ever seen. You got to remind people. Yeah. You got to remind Completely people. Completely agree. And the problem is, to your point, I think earlier, not to talk for you, but Phil Knight doesn't have to remind anybody. The swoosh doesn't have to remind anybody. Um, and kids care about that. I mean, you know, we yes. had we had Micah Hanneman on two weeks ago. Was that two weeks ago already? Yeah. Uh, he straight up said, I mean, one of the main reasons that he chose BYU over uh, Utah was the Nike deal. I yeah, mean, that's, I it, mean matters. It, it matters. I, and, and, and I think it's, it's, uh, it, it absolutely is a powerful thing. And I can tell you right now, like, I'm no college football player, but I prefer Nike over Under Armour. I can tell you that. Like, there are specific 
things that I like Under Armour for, but overall, I'm a Nike guy, and I think that kids really care about that. And by the way, like when they rolled out those paint splatter uniforms that everyone hated, kids have a lot of fun with that. Even though they're ugly, it's and fun to do. And they sold. Yeah. They sold them. And by the way, uh, that stadium's no joke. That's why I think they're a good fit for the Big Ten because – you know, yeah, you've got the AAU thing, which I just I, I I have I just don't enjoy that side of the conversation. It does matter, but I just think it's such a petty thing within this conversation. I think what ultimately matters is revenue generation and the branding. I mean, again, the the <laughs> biggest thing here is that or when you say think of it this way, this is how I like to describe branding. When you say Oregon, what do you think about? Well, you yeah. think about Nike, you think about, you know, Autzen, you th- I mean, you think about like you think about, hey, they feel like a big program like you can you can name some guys that have come out of that program recently or relatively recently. And and that's why I think they have an advantage when you think about Utah. What do you think about? Well, you don't think about that. They're the original BCS buster. You don't think about, you know, their their history and their heritage and the things that they've done like and, and I think that the relatability factor is is what's really hurting Utah right now as far as branding is concerned. I, I, like I said, I think from a football perspective, Utah is going to dominate. I, like, I would not be surprised if you went to Gainesville week one and you obliterated Florida. I wouldn't be surprised by that, right? Like, So football is not the issue here. It's just, hey, marketing has to get better. You got to story tell more. Like, you, like the fact that, again, as I mentioned earlier in the show for all of you just arriving – Utah players are now saying that there's an NIL thing coming and they're working on it and it's yeah. happening. Dude, NIL's like you miss the train on NIL on some level. Like you miss that momentum swing that came into college athletics. And so that's why I say it just it's frustrating when we get into these Big 10 conversations. It's like, yeah, well, you know, it's Utah. They're not, you know, they're not they're not getting in the Big 10. They they they're, they're going to be a Big 12 team and and you know, it's just Utah. When they should be a Big Ten team, they should be playing in the college football playoff every single year. But because they refuse, just outright refuse to prioritize branding and marketing and getting themselves out there, this is the price you pay. And I think it's a a disservice and uh, a shame to the fan base that supports them so loyally. That's that's why it's frustrating. Yeah, and I mean, by the way, Utah's got a national championship and Oregon doesn't. I mean, when but you, who when remembers you look that? At, who well, remembers that? What year was that? Uh, 2008, that the 13 and 0 year, 2008, I mean, mean, honest to God, I can't like, and I know I, you know, we talk about this for a living. I couldn't tell you a single, uh, a name of a single player on that team. Couldn't tell you. I don't know it. Well, those were the mountain West days. You know, I mean, it is, I don't know, man. I, I think when I look at, when I look at Utah and I look at Oregon, people, people automatically assume that like Utah's. Utah's below Oregon. Utah's won more games. Utah's Come played on, football longer than Oregon. Utah has a national championship. You like Utah, and and I'm not taking anything away from all those conference championships, the Mike Bellotti years. Like I, I don't take anything away from any of the accomplishments of, you know, Chip Kelly, um, Mario Cristobal the last two years, you know, and really it was really the last three years. Um, you know, like I don't take anything away from those guys. Kyle Whittingham has outperformed all of them. I mean, I, I look at what Kyle Whittingham, I look at, you know, you you can go back to, I mean, I I guess you can go back to the Ron McBride days. Um, 
you know, but I mean, if, if you go to Urban Meyer, 10 and 2, 12 and 0, you go to Kyle Winningham, 13 and 0, you go to, I mean, I, 13 and 0, dude. You look at the success that Utah has had, and it nobody knows it. Nobody understands it. Nobody is even aware of it. And that's a huge problem. I think you, you that is an unbelievable point that you make. I, I think that's an un, unbelievable point. Giggity, good morning to you. He says, what's good, my guys? I appreciate your show every day. Thanks for doing what you do. Appreciate you, Giggity. Appreciate you, bro. Um, Giggity, next time you're out here, by the way, Gabe Ledley's coming to yeah, our... Yeah, Giggity, no excuses, bro. Get your ass you? out here for We're, the event. September 17th. Where are you, man? Let's but, go. You no. Know, let's go, Giggity. Uh, <laughs> Y'all feel me? Giggity's amazing. He's Come have one some of our wings. Long-times. Come have some pizza. Yes, he's one of our long times. We'd love to see you at the event. Yeah, bro. I mean, we we really should, Giggity, if it... it if you, you work if, it out, bro. if there's any chance you can come out, we should have like an Arizona dinner. Yeah. We should have like a huge dinner at Red Iguana on mm. the on the weekend of the seventeenth, maybe that Friday night. Yeah. We try to put together like a huge get together at Red Iguana or something. And you know, like we should really we should do that. That that would be awesome. Dennis Barnes says, I'm just praying the Lakers can be part of a three team trade once Pat Bev becomes available. Donnie, please. Okay. You're about 20 minutes away from NBA talk here on the Monty Show. Lord Raiden says, dude in the left doesn't understand. Do you have any idea how much research dollars the Big Ten brings in? Sports are just a hobby. I'm not telling you that research dollars or academia doesn't matter. When we're talking about college football and conference expansion, you can't tell me somebody's tracking research dollars instead of what they bring in TV money. I just don't buy that. I don't believe that, well, you know, they're not an AAU member. Can't have them in the conference. I don't buy that for a second. You can say whatever you want about Oregon. Oregon's a a fine institution. Look at Utah. Again, I just point to Utah. Utah is a phenomenal institution of higher learning. From medical to, I mean, it's a wonderful institution. So, you can't tell me that we're making judgments on research dollars when it comes to apples to apples comparisons. I just, I just don't. Yeah. Radon, Lord Radon, with all due respect, I just don't think it's it's as significant as as people make it out to be. I do think it is important that you line up academically. You can't bring in, you know, the Pittsburgh College of Diesel Engine Repair to your conference and call yourself a conference of higher learning. I agree with that. But are you really telling me that Oregon is a, well, man, Oregon, I don't know if we can bring them in. I mean, that college is trash. Are you serious? That, that, that I, I don't buy that for a second. I don't. Radon also says Washington is a better choice than Oregon. Why is Oregon always brought up? They keep telling everyone how important they are. And that's what matters. That's what matters. Because this is what's, think of politics in this country. It doesn't have to be true. As long as you speak it into truth, then it becomes true. Yeah, look at Bishop Sycamore. Hello? That's a great point. Come on now. Um, <laughs> Cyrus Fox says, come down to brand strength in Nike. Oregon is a stronger brand by far. Yeah. Can I, I, can I Johnson, what's up, KJ? He says, brand, it's the brand of Oregon. Just my opinion, when kids hear Utah, Oregon, they are like, Oregon. I agree. All day. And, and that, is, All day. that is my fresh, like, that is my core frustration in this conversation. Like I, like the, the AAU thing versus football, like that's a different thing. My premier frustration is Utah is 
you know, and, and I don't want to be too harsh, but it, but it, it it almost feels like it's a like a laziness or like a lack of prioritization or like you just there's don't no care enough. sense of urgency. Yeah, dude. Like like what? But what look are at you the uniforms. About? Look at the uniforms. We were hanging out with our friend Brian yesterday, who's a yeah. U alum. Yeah, he walked up with a with a Rose Bowl helmet like that is just I crispy. Mean, Utah's uniforms are amazing. Nobody knows that. Nobody knows that. Nobody. You're an Under Armour school. Okay. That, like, you're not winning a recruit. If I said Nike Under Armour to an 18-year-old kid, he's taking Nike every single day. It, there's just no sense of urgency. Look no further than BYU versus Utah. BYU's uniform package is superior. There's no question about I don't think anybody would argue that. Yeah. You can't. BYU's uniforms are amazing. There's nothing even talk about. But I I think this this thing about branding with kids is 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 hugely important. Yes. Like like not just now. Like where Utah ends up, it's got to change. Think about again the Manti Teo story. One of the things that Manti Teo talks about is perception and branding. He wanted to go to the University of Southern California. One of his I think it was a family member said to him, "Well, do you want to just you want to go be the next great?" you know, Polynesian player at the University of Southern California, or do you want to be the only great Manti Teo at Notre Dame? Yeah. He went to Notre Dame. I, I, it, it's, not, it's not even arguable. It is perception. The brand power of Oregon is far greater than the brand power of, of Utah. Yeah. It, it's not close. Uh, NY Jazz fan says, Oregon branding, Phil Knight has pushed that brand. Love it or hate it, but there are jerseys, um, but their jerseys push their brand. Absolutely, it does. Yeah, and now it's affecting you in Big Ten Talks. Uh, Pudge NYC, what's up? He says, salute Monty. And Jake Kurt Meyer says, Rodman, the ambassador of sports. Yeah, don't get me started yeah, on that story. dude, no. Don't. Uh, Lord Radon says, pretty sure Utah is AAU. They are AAU. They are. Absolutely, they are. Um, and, and the Timberwolves play in the East, right? Anyway, here's um, the problem. Here's the deal. You want me to, do you want me to lay the wood to Utah? You didn't get into the AAU until 2019. Correct. So when I'm looking and I'm trying to research this and I find an article that was written in 2018 that says you weren't in yet. Well, no, you were looking like, at the historical order. It's, it's frustrating, the, dude. You were looking at the historical order of the AAU. That's that's what got you, but it doesn't matter. It's fine. Uh, the Big Ten is going for legacy programs. Utah is not a legacy program. Utah is better served to go to the Big 12 with BYU. Totally agree. Totally agree, Eric and Raleigh. Think you're exactly right. The Big Mugamble, what's up, buddy, says uh, Oregon is a good fit because they are seen as a real threat to Ohio State or Michigan, but bring enough value to not dilute the pot. Utah equals a threat. I think Utah can beat any team in the country right now today. By the way, who's the head coach at Oregon? Any, I mean, any, just somebody comment. Can anybody tell me who the head coach at Oregon is? I don't think people know. Where is A.A. Ron right that's, now? That's my point, right? You know Mario Cristobal. You don't know. Who's the head coach at Utah? Kyle Winningham. It's perception versus reality. The reality is... Oregon's got a better brand. They have a better PR machine. Yeah, you like, don't need to know who the head coach at Oregon is. It's, it's it, Oregon. Yeah, it's it's not close, man. It's not, it, it's not it's not close. Oh, hey, sorry, I missed uh, Marlon Shaw gave us a ten dollar tip and says TV execs say compelling matchups is more important than market. 
What compelling matchups does San Diego State provide? Not saying they wouldn't. That's an important question to be asked if considering them. Yeah, I, I, mean, think, I think that's fair. I think that's fair, but I also think nobody has the Southern California TV market in college football right now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is it is going to go to the Big Ten. There's obviously, right? I mean, that UCLA and USC are going to the Big Ten. Nobody and nobody has it. The SEC, the Big 12, the Mountain, nobody has them. Right? Because the mountain just doesn't exist. So when we're talking about it and we're going round and round about who's got leverage in Southern California, right now, nobody. It, the moment that USC and UCLA start playing in the Big Ten, it's the Big Ten. So if you're the Big 12, there's tremendous value in just having the Southern California TV market. There's tremendous value in that. And what's so damaging for the Pac-12 right now is they don't have it. They don't have it. And they they probably don't have a path to getting it. So if you're the big... Tw- I, I I don't know. Maybe in, in Marlin, you could be absolutely right. Maybe I'm wrong. I think San Diego State will become a bargaining chip. They will become one of those teams that, that conferences will fight over. Whatever happens in the Pac-10, 8, 6, whoever they are and whatever they wind up being, San Diego State's going to be a chip for somebody. And I, I can only imagine it's the Big 12. Because I can't see. How does the remaining teams in the in the pack currently ten? How do they not end up in the in the in the Big Twelve? Let's surmise that Oregon and in Washington go to the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. How does everybody else not end up in the Big Twelve? And then you add San Diego State and one other school. It just makes too much business sense. Yeah, I think the market versus the matchup thing is a fascinating conversation. I I, I completely agree. But this whole conversation around, hey, someone's got to have the Southern California market is all that matters right now with San Diego State. Yeah. And that's just what it is. Yeah. Uh, San Diego State Aztecs 21 gives us a $2 tip. Thank you. Gretzky, San Diego State now versus what they will bring to the Big 12. What does San Diego State bring to the Big 12? I think they bring tremendous brand as far as the the region. Yeah, I think that's the biggest value is the region, is the geography. I mean, I, their I, brand I, is where they're located. Yeah, period. nobody nobody's going to sit here and say that San Diego State's somehow going to play for a national championship. That's not the point. Not the, right now. Yeah, the point is is that you you want eyeballs in Southern California. You do because the Big Ten's got that, and and the Pac-12 doesn't. You can't recruit if you can't recruit Southern California. You're just crossing off some of the best quarterbacks in the country routinely. Yeah. I mean, Los Angeles, Orange County, San Diego, you get tremendous quarterbacks that come out of there. Yeah. You have to be able to recruit that. Yeah. And if you are the 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 Big Ten, you're going to own that. You're going to own that. You're going to have kids that are going to go from Rancho Santa Margarita. You're going to have kids that are going to go from the peninsula. You're going to have Los Angeles. You're going to have kids from modern day. Playing in the Big Ten because of USC. You have to be able to go there and compete. And you have to be able to say, hey, if you come to San Diego State, you're going to play a big game versus USC, Big 12, Big Ten. That's a big game. Yeah, You have to be able to do that. And if I'm the Big Ten, I'm not going to bring in San Diego State. That doesn't. That's not a good fit. You don't need not San Diego. All. You've got Los Angeles. So if I'm a Big 12, San Diego State becomes a huge chip, in my opinion. Uh, let's see. Uh... Paliol Racing. Paliol. And stuff. Says, I could see ASU being a big team one day, but now, no. Well, Arizona State is just in shambles football-wise. Yeah. 
I mean, it, the I fall of Herm Edwards, like, the fall of Herm Edwards and the failure, the failure is probably a strong word. Bobby Hurley's not been a success at ASU, in my opinion. I still go back to his whole won't play GCU thing. Grand Canyon. Arizona State refused to engage Grand Canyon for the longest time. Wouldn't play him in basketball. Wouldn't play him. Just wouldn't do it. And I think it left a stigma over that program. Yeah. I, honest to goodness, I, I, I do. Uh, Boyd Lake says, I agree about CSU. Colorado wants to leave the Big wants to leave the Big 12. Wanted to leave the Big 12. Oh, yeah, for sure. There's no... But this is Nebraska. Everybody said I was an idiot. Oh, you're an idiot. When I said Nebraska want, wanted, and I think if they could make equal money, would go back to the Big 12. But they're not going to leave that money on the table. They're not going to leave that big mo that money on the table. They're not. Uh, Matt says the Pac-12 refusing to take Texas Tech, Kansas, and Oklahoma State will go down as their nail in their coffin. Totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, Keith Carl, nobody in the Pac can even breathe without creating dysfunction and uncertainty. Every little conversation will be scrutinized and lead to more unrest and less value for the conference. Well, because they're not aligned. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. Uh, Matt Ritson says Stanford has branded only uh, in Olympic sports. Well, I don't, I don't know that I agree with that. Stanford has a pretty good tradition in basketball. Stanford is a really good football program. The problem with Stanford recruiting is, and it's very much like Notre Dame, it's impossible to get into those schools. Do you know how hard it is to get into Stanford? Even if you are the best quarterback in the country. Yeah, but that econ, that C you got an econ, yeah. We're... You might want to go to one of the Cal State schools. Listen, dude, Javelin's not paying the bills. I got news for <laughs> you. Okay? Javelin. Shot is not paying the bills, bro. You said Javelin. Jesus. You said Javelin. A brand in Olympic sports is not a brand as far as college football is concerned, Well, but bro. we won. The, we were the original BCS buster in the shot put. You know. Bro, come on. <laughs> you said My guy's bringing up Olympic sports. With all due respect. You said Javelin. With all due respect. Javelin's not getting it done, dude. Like, like high jump's not getting it done. But listen. Listen, water polo. Damn. I got to tell you, we've got a, a right winger in water polo that's just unbelievable. We're getting somewhere. You should see that guy wade in water. Like his ability to, what do they call that when you can tread? His ability to tread water with, do you, have you measured his toes? Are people miring? Unbelievable. Man. This guy's big toe. Yeah. Do you know that his pinky toe is longer than his big toe and he's coming to Stanford? Congratulations, but that's bullshit. We're kicking USC's ass in water polo because hey, my long-toed short guy foot dude over here can tread water like nobody's business. And and we're mom and pop are gonna be able to watch that on ESPN. I said his big toe and his long and short. Yeah, yeah, and mom and pop are gonna watch that on ESPN, right? Wait, forks up, bro. Anyway, the point is, <laughs> Jesus. Thanks for bringing up Javelin. I needed that. Yeah. I, I No, seriously, I needed that. All right, a couple more. Uh, Stephen Guild says, is Oregon's fight song uh, named Rubber Ducky? You're, Rubber Ducky, you're, you're the, the one. one. 
I think it is. Oh, my God, dude. Steve, I think it is. Oh, my God. Jeff James says, as a presence in California, a plus for the Big 12, it's important. It is. I, I... Honest to goodness, everybody I've talked to about San Diego State says the same thing. Oh, well, they bring the Southern California market to the Big 12. You got to have it. Put the politics and the bias aside. Make the money. Do the right business thing, man. I totally agree. Uh, Keith Carl says San Diego is a football-hungry market. Um, Large market without any other football uh, diversion since the Chargers packed up and left. Yeah, what cowards they were. All right, let's see. Um, James Knight says, what's the top conference in college football? It's called the SWAC, the Southwest Athletic Conference. Yeah, next question. James uh, is, no, no, James is in Australia. He doesn't know college football, and he just asked what's the top college in co- college football conference, the SWAC. No, it's not. Yeah, why, why are you doing this? He's asking a genuine question. Oh, the WAC, oh so you're going to say the WAC. No. It's close. The SWAC and the WAC. This is Coach Saban. It is the SEC. Stop it. Don't mislead him like that. James, it's the SWAC, bro. The Southwest Athletic Conference. What is what? That's it, Skippy. What? Neville 93 says, I just saw your guys' IG that Jake wanted flats. Flat wings. Chicken wings. Drums flats. Says all you need to know. Here, here you go. Flats. Uh, wait, put it back on the two shot real quick. Oregon, Utah. Done. Yeah, branding. <laughs> Hullabilly says <laughs> anybody that likes flats over drums. Come on, let's go, Schlepprock. You, you're better than that. Pack your shit. Let's go. You're better than that. Hullabilly says San Diego State would be a great ad for the Big 12 basketball, which was is already a phenomenal conference. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, you know. Uh, you know. Uh, let's see. A Lockman. It says, Pac-12 needs to add San Diego State and Air Force quickly, then pray. Air Force? It, it, do you mean the air raid offense? Yeah, I mean, you no. Nope. Uh, no, the answer is no. Uh, Earl says, Team Flats. How do I block people on here? <laughs> Blocking. Um, team Flats. No, we're not, Earl. <laughs> no, we're not. Uh, Ryan Scandura says Chargers tried to get a new stadium for 20 years and San Diego government played too many games. No, that's actually not what yeah, happened. Yeah, that's not what happened, bro. That's a long story. Uh, Jeremy Bolton. Wait, bro. No, that, it, this can't be right. Jeremy Bolton. I, I think Jeremy Bolton drowned in his own saliva while wearing a, uh, Alex Caruso Jersey. What would I do without you? Right. Jeremy Bolton says started a new job. So haven't been able to listen live in the mornings. I'll be back full time again soon. You know, wow. Jeremy, it's hurtful. Jeremy, are you going to be at the event, bro? Like, we need you at the event, dude. Uh, Speaking of the event, September 17th uh, at Barbecue Pit Stop in Lehigh. Uh, We are giving away a trip for two to see BYU and Notre Dame playing the Shamrock Series in Las Vegas, baby. Uh, We're giving you two nights at the Palms Resort Hotel and Casino. We're giving you two tickets to see BYU versus Notre Dame on October 8th and a $250 gas card to get you there. Um, All you have to do is go to any of the five Utah locations, a barbecue pit stop, say, hey, I'm here. Monty said to come in. There's a box on on the counter. All you got to do is fill out the slip, drop it in the box. You're good to go. You're entered to win. And then September 17th, barbecue pit stop in Lehigh. It is BYU versus Oregon. It's going to be amazing. Ducks and Cougars. Um, Wow. What? 
That was my cougar call wow. right there. <laughs> Hi, Lisa. Uh, anyway, the point is, uh, September 17th, Barbecue Pit Stop in Lehigh. We're going to have a watch party. We're going to have smokers. We're going to give you wings and pizza. It's going to be amazing. And it is all presented by our good friends at Barbecue Pit Stop in Lehigh. Logan, Layton, Salt Lake City, and St. George, as well as our guy, Devery Davis at Academy Mortgage. He's your dude. Guys, I can only say this so many times mm -hmm. that mortgage rates are down. Mortgage rates on 30-year uh, fixed refis are as good as they're going to be, and home prices are coming down. Mm -hmm. So if you've been thinking about refining and you want that extra bread, you should do it now. If you've been thinking about buying, but you're like, I can't afford it, sure you can. And there's only one guy who can make it happen. It's Devery Davis at Academy Mortgage. Devery Davis with the Davis Lending Team, powered by Academy Mortgage. All right, first-time homebuyers, listen up. This one's for you. There's a huge misconception on how much it takes to buy a house. Is it 20%? Is it 10%? Is it 15%? The answer will surprise you. There's four mortgages in the United States. Two of them require no down payment. Two require very minimal down payment. Out of that down payment, um, there's lots of places to get it from. There's state funds, county funds, city funds, lots of ways to buy a house, no money down. When I was 18, I got out of high school. I actually bought a brand new house, no money down. Never regretted it if you have questions give me a shout glad to walk you through it have a great one ever davis at academy mortgage right there hook it up 801-543-9666 devery's done three mortgages for me and i can only tell you so many times he's fantastic devery davis is easy to deal with it's personal service so many times whether you're i don't know pick it pick it whether you're trying to buy a car or you're trying to buy a house or you're trying to get a mortgage, you just feel like nobody cares about you on a personal level. That's why you go to Devery Davis. You're not calling some, you know, cube farm that's got a bunch of dudes looking to make money on you sitting there answering the phone. Uh, did you say a cube farm? Yeah, cubicles. A huge room full of oh, cubicles. Oh, okay, got it, you know, got it. Dave, Sorry. Yeah. Dave and Bryson answering yeah. the phone. Well, hey, let's hook you up with a 7% mortgage. No, man, call Devery Davis today, 801-543-9666. He's going to hook you up with the best rate possible. He's going to put you in a position to get that house you've always been looking at. And if you need to refi, call Devery Davis today. He has got the best refi programs at Academy Mortgage. You have a lot of value in your home right now, but your your those home values are coming down. Refi high to get all that cash out. Trust me, you can do it. And by the way, if you think you can't afford a mortgage... Make sure you, you call Devery because he can he can help you with down payment, all yep. of that. Devery Davis at Academy Mortgage. Uh, it is 740 coming up in five minutes. We'll get you the very latest on the Knicks and Jazz and Donovan Mitchell. Uh, let's see. A couple more here. Uh, Balls says BYU fans unsubscribed. Okay. okay, cool, man. All right, well, thanks for coming. Dale Donis says, just wanted to pop in and say thanks, gents, for doing a great show. Kudos. Thanks, Dale Donis. Appreciate yeah, you. thanks, man. Uh, Batch, Batch Elder 44 how does Oregon make the leap to the Big Ten when they wouldn't bring nearly enough revenue? What does that mean, they wouldn't bring nearly enough revenue? Yeah, what Yeah. What do you mean by that? I mean, I think... Because their TV yeah. numbers, I want to say, and I can look them up real quick, their their TV numbers, I think, are, are one of the... They're over a million per game on TV. Um, so I, when you say what, what is it that you, you don't believe they bring value, they bring tremendous brand. I don't think there's, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Yeah. They're currently number one in PAC 12 TV ratings. 
Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know when you say they don't bring Brandon. Yeah, they're easily number one. They are by far number one. Um, when you look at their, like Oregon, Ohio State drew 7.7 million viewers. I said seven. Oregon, Utah drew 4.8. Utah versus Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game drew 4.2. So when you say they don't bring revenue, I'm not sure what you mean by that. Because I think Oregon brings plenty of revenue. Uh, Utah Utes Football Digest says, how are you guys feeling about Utah versus Florida? I love Utah. I love, I, I think it's such a statement game. And I'm going to put that graphic up by Kyle Whittingham again. Because I think this is so spot on. If you look at this graphic and you look at, you look at what Kyle is saying here. Darn it. There you go. Look at what Kyle Whittingham saying here. It's important for the Pac-12 to make noise on a national scene whenever we get the opportunities like that. We have to make the most of it. If you want to gain respect, gain national attention. You got to come out and win some of those games. Hopefully we can go down there and play like we're capable of. That's Kyle Whittingham talking about going to Florida and winning. Yeah. And I think that's spot on. And I think, I just think you have so many guys on this Utah Ute team that have something to prove. And I, I I think Cam Rising is being disrespected. I think he's undersold. Yeah. I think he has a strong running game. I think the Ute offensive line is going to be exponentially better this year. My question again is, is who's going to step up at wide receiver? Yeah. I mean, I think you know what you have in Dalton Kincaid and Brand Keithy. And the question is, is Devon Vele the guy that can step up and be a burner on the outside? Because if you want if you want to win and you want respect in, in college football, you got to go out and crush. Thanks. You got to go out and crush. And yeah. the, the only way to do that, oh boy, Jake. Uh-oh. Are we they have, back? We have bots in the chat, Jake. We have bots in the chat. Well, you know, yesterday we didn't have any bots, you know, so it was a nice run and, and really feel like we made some progress here. And, you know, we'll look at the tape and see how we can, you know, prevent bots from coming in the chat again. But, uh, you know, like our execution today. You know, uh, just glad to be here contributing to the ball club. And, yeah, um, you know. There we go. We ban, hey we ban the bots from there. The you go. But yeah, I really. I mean, I don't know what you think. But I mean, I love Utah in that game. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Utah just has a huge opportunity. I mean, as as you saw in the Kyle Dam graphic, like they they have a huge opportunity to come out and get their season started on the right foot. And I think that you know if you can beat uh, Florida by two possessions, if you, I mean if if there was somehow some way you could beat them by fourteen points, I mean I think that's a very definitive win, and I think it's impressive. And, and furthermore, what I'd also say is that stadium has been sold out for that game for the past 10 days, I think. Like 10 days ago, it was and sold Utah out. And Utah is still, still only two and a half points. Yeah. So the home team gets three points. I mean, are you a five and a half point favorite? We'll see. I don't know. I, I, uh, I'll be so interested. What I mean, they should, they should win the game. Like the expectation is Utah is going to win that game. The conversation is, are you going to make a point or are you going to survive? That's the conversation. Can you beat Florida by 15 or 14 rather? Or are you going to beat them by a field goal and escape? That's the question. And again, I think this is brand. Two and a half point favorite over Florida to me is, is disrespectful. I just. We'll see. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, let's get some of your other comments in here. 
Let's go and see who asked. Somebody asked. Uh, we just got a comment. Um, somebody asked about Britton Covey. I think it was Jackson. Yeah. Do you think uh, Britton Covey will make the Eagles roster? Well, I mean, he's he's doing fine with that thumb injury. Yeah. I I, I think he would have to. He'd have to do something drastic not to. I think he's going to make it. I do. Weston Cottom says, when's the last time Utah opened their football season against a P5 not of the Pac-12? I don't know. Yeah, I'd have to go back and look at that. Um, but I, like I said, I think it's a great thing. Historically, they have not. Have not. It's been a minute. I'd have to go back and look at that. Marlon Shaw says, guys, seriously, Florida sells out when they play the Sisters of the Poor Blind School. Uh, I don't know about that, dude. I don't know about that. I mean, that Florida hasn't been Florida for a very long time. You can say that it's sold out because it's week one. Okay, I can kind of get behind that. But I just think that this is a big-time matchup, man. Like, this is, like, I, I, I yeah, it's a big-time matchup. There's really no way around it. I mean, you're, you, like, like it or hate it, Florida is a well-respected program even when they're not good, you know, which they're not great right now. So, you know, I just think, I just think there's a lot of, I just think you have an opportunity. Again, this is branding. Hey, yeah, hey, by the way, week one, we flew across the country and beat the living hell out of Florida and, and walked out of there with, you know, putting 14 points up on them. I mean, I, like, I like that's what you need to do here. That's If you're going to be a, a top-tier program, you got to win this game handily. Yeah, looking at Florida attendance numbers, their their season ticket numbers are are low right now. I mean, they're they're well off of their 20, you know, 16, 17 high. Um. You know, I mean, I, 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 we'll see, we'll see. All right. I'm not saying Florida is a bad football program because it's not. It absolutely is not, and I think that there. I, I mean, no disrespect to Florida. I mean, Utah should go to Florida and win. Yeah. Utah's a better team. Facts. Utah has experience. Yeah. I mean, you have some significant losses on defense, but I mean, your, your, their linebackers are going to be. Fine. They're going to be fine, dude. I, I think the real question is, do they have a, a legit burner outside? And can every single week, can Cam Rising go out and, and prove that he's a Heisman candidate? Because yeah. I think he is. Yeah. And I do think he will. I, I think he, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Dave Heath says, uh, Utah played Michigan in 2015. I think they opened there. Was that the opener? Now you guys are going to make me go back and and look. Utah football non-conference. Um, I think that no, I want previous. See now I got to go and pull a bunch of stats. That wasn't that Utah Michigan game wasn't opener. I don't think. I don't think. If we go back to what was their non-conference schedule in 2015. Let's see. Looking at it. Yeah, it was Michigan. Excuse me. I, I apologize. That was at Rice Eccles. That was at Rice Eccles. And that was a win, 24-17. That's exactly right. So good on you. There you go. Exactly right. So 2015, they opened, they opened against Michigan. Oh, well, 2016, they opened against Southern Utah. There you go. Damn. I mean, SUU. There you go. Big time school. Okay. And stuff. So you were correct. 2015. Nice job. Um, let's switch gears. Let's get into Nixon Jazz because I think this is. I mean, every day we have a responsibility to give an update, right? I mean, every day there's a new story. There's a new rumor mill. There's a new report that we told you six weeks ago. So 
I love this story. And nice. I think we've been we've been pretty nails on this. I thought it was hysterical that yesterday afternoon, Mark Berman, in the New York Post, I think he is, said, oh, well, um, Danny Ainge is asking for four unprotected first-round picks. And he doesn't really care about uh, who the other players are. So where are you getting that from? And I'm not saying he's, he's poaching from us. But we, what I continue to tell you on this show is when you want jazz-related news accurately and you want it first, you come to the Monty Show. Because we told you that three weeks ago. Danny Ainge is not concerned with the veteran contract he gets in return. He's just not. Danny Ainge is focused on four unprotected first-round picks. He has never, not one time, asked for eight unprotected first-round picks. That's not even possible. He has not been offered seven total first-round picks. That offer has never been made. And this story about how, you know, the Knicks only offered two first-round picks. Well, they offered their two unprotected first-round picks, which is what they have, and they have a hodgepodge of others. So the truth of the matter is, is that Danny Ainge is asking for six first-round picks. He would take four unprotected first-round picks to make this trade happen. Danny Ainge would do that. He is asking for Quentin Grimes. The Knicks have said we're not trading Quentin Grimes. And what the latest on this deal is, is that the New York Knicks should walk away from this. That's what the latest is. It is very clear to me the Knicks don't have the assets to appease Danny Ainge. And Danny is in no hurry and has no need to trade Donovan Mitchell, which is why he's not come off of his original ask of six first-round picks and Quentin Grimes and Emmanuel quickly. OB Toppin's not getting this trade done. And I was again told yesterday that R.J. Barrett is less than ideal for the Utah Jazz. A source directly involved at the Utah Jazz told me that the Jazz do not want, they don't have an appetite to extend R.J. Barrett's contract. It's not that he's a bad player. They just don't want to extend his contract. Yeah. You. The biggest issue in this deal is is that the Knicks probably don't have the compensation that Danny Ainge wants to get this deal done. <clears throat> and for everybody, the other thing I want to clarify that we we reported last week again, they're looking for a third team. All this talk about the Washington you know, Wizards trying to trade for Donovan Mitchell, the Wizards have never inquired about Donovan Mitchell. They've inquired about being a third team in a Donovan Mitchell trade. And as far as Charlotte goes, there's some, there's some belief that Charlotte wants to trade Donovan, trade for Donovan Mitchell and send Gordon Hayward back in return. The Jazz are not doing that deal. I mean, that's just not. Yeah, the Jazz are not. The Jazz have, and it was explained to me, the Jazz and the, the Hornets have never had substantive conversations about it. Yeah. There is, there is no doubt in anybody's mind that Charlotte would love to make that deal. The Jazz have no interest in that trip. I'm sure Charlotte would love to make that deal. Yeah. I mean, are you kidding me? That like it's a disrespectful offer. Gordon Hayward for Donovan Mitchell and in whatever pick compensation would be involved. Like, come on. I mean, it's just it, it like let's not do this whole thing where we have some conversation around whether Gordon Hayward wanted to leave or wants to come back or wants to like 
you know, have a storybook ending where it all started for him. Or uh, we're we're not doing that. No. Uh, the, the the Jazz are are not interested in Gordon Hayward. The the Jazz not at that level. I yeah, don't think. I mean, it's just not it. Gordon Hayward for Donovan Mitchell is just not even a talking. It's point. not a conversation. Yeah, you it, know, it and, truly and I think that not. I think that what's going on right now, just generally speaking, is the media is thirsty as hell right now. That's what's going on. It the 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 Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Donovan Mitchell trade machine just churns along, and I think that that right now, again. And, and I'm sure that the people that listen to this show regularly are probably burned out on it, as are we, of of saying, like, literally every day, hey, this is the price. Again, the beauty of YouTube. You will not find this on the radio or anywhere else. The beauty of YouTube is you can go back and listen to what we said weeks ago, and we, and we said it weeks ago. It's four unprotected first-round picks. That's the starting point. And then you put players around that, and you have yourself a deal. If Leon Rose doesn't want to pay that price— then he can he can move along. I mean, it's just that's just the business in the NBA. It's just it is what it is, man. Yeah, I don't have any doubt that this deal could get done, and I I think it gets done in the first week. If it's going to get done, I'd have to believe it gets done the first week of September. I think Patrick Beverly's a pretty important you know trade chip in this conversation, um, which is why I think that you have to look at you know what assets are available to be exchanged. And I think that there has to be a third team. But again, I, I just go back to what I said a minute ago. I do think it's time for the Knicks to walk away. Yeah. Because Danny Ainge is not going to take anything less than four unprotected first round picks. Um, I don't believe that he's going to take two and, you know, three garbage picks on top of that. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. For a guy in Donovan Mitchell, the 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 real value here, in my opinion, in today's NBA market is for unprotected first round picks. And I think when you look at what Donovan Mitchell brings to the floor, you're talking about a, a guy who's on the verge of becoming a superstar. He is not in his prime yet. He is only entering his prime at this point. He's what, 25 years old. I mean, you have a real asset there. Giving that away for two first-round picks and a bunch of muddy water doesn't make a lot of sense if you're the Utah Jazz. Mm -hmm. And again, I just say if you're the New York Knicks, I, I would advise Leon Rose walk away from this. And I don't know why Leon is quite so fixated at this moment in time on Donovan Mitchell. He does not make you a championship contender. Well, and there's this thought that, that Don and Jalen together on the Knicks would attract another superstar like... Like, hey, if we create this situation, you know, another star is going to want to come here, and and that to me, I think, is a very dangerous game to play. You're you're essentially saying, hey, we're going to do this without any assurances that a star is going to come to solidify the roster. That's a dangerous game. That's a game that I would not be playing. I would not be doing the hey, we're going to sign or trade for Don and give up all these assets in the hopes that Kevin Durant comes and joins the squad or whatever, whoever that player is. So so I say, I, I just think that you can't force things in business. If it's not, if 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 you're not that close, if you're at two unprotected picks and the price is four, you're halfway to where you need to be. Like, I just want to put that into perspective. You are halfway to what the asking price is, and that's just not enough. I, it, it, whether you think Don is worth four unprotected or he's not. The truth is, it doesn't matter what his stats say or what you think he's worth. What matters is what Danny Ainge is asking for. So that's why I say it just it's just simply a matter of 
if they walk away from the deal, what what else can they go and do? And being that they're so obsessed with this deal, it doesn't seem like they have a lot of other options. Yeah, so. I'm I'm a little surprised that Leon's hung on this long. I, I think because we also were the first to report that Leon Rose became quite frustrated with Danny Ainge. I yeah. don't think there is animosity from Danny to Leon, but I absolutely think that Leon Rose is frustrated um, with Danny Ainge because this deal should have been done, frankly, um, a month ago. And it's not because Danny Ainge has not come off of that asking price. And again, I just refer back to what we talked about and what we've reported uh, for the last month. And that is that Danny Ainge wants six first round picks. Danny Ainge wants four unprotected first round picks. Yeah. And I think Danny Ainge knows he has to have Quentin Grimes. And I think those are the ingredients to make this deal happen. And I think Leon Rose is not willing to do two of those three things. I think he's not willing to, to put you know, anything more than his own two first-round unprotected picks in there. And he's not willing to trade Quentin Grimes. Yeah. And I think that's why I say, like, you can keep hammering away at a nail, but you're not going to make any progress on it. You, you guys know where you're at, and I think that's why the Knicks have been out trying to find a third team. I, I truly don't believe that Danny Ainge is, is efforting everything he can to trade Donovan Mitchell. And the other thing that was described to me yesterday was about this notion that Donovan can't possibly come back. Donovan Mitchell is well aware of what this situation is, is about. Donovan Mitchell has been in the loop on this from day one. Um, the Knicks have been his number one. Um, there was a lot of talk about Miami. Donovan Mitchell, I, I don't think, has ever said, yeah, Miami would be my first choice. I think if Donovan Mitchell was asked today, if it was, hey, do you want to play for the Knicks or Miami? Right now, today, I think he would take the Knicks. I think yesterday he would have taken the Knicks. I think tomorrow he's going to take the Knicks. And I think if he ended up in Miami, no, I don't think he'd be unhappy with that. But the plain and simple truth is Donovan Mitchell's been in the loop on this. This is not shocking. He's not reading Mark Berman in the post to find out, you know, what's going on with his trade situation. <laughs> Danny Ainge, the Jazz, and Donovan Mitchell are in contact. They're in regular contact. This is not a surprise. So this idea that somehow Donovan Mitchell is shocked or – Dis, you know, disrespected He's or disappointed. Unnerved. He, it, it, like to me, it just like that report was total. That was bonkers. Like it's garbage. That just was yeah. not accurate. There was never a time where Donovan Mitchell was was walking around saying, you know, I'm unnerved or, come on, Donovan Mitchell is. But that's bullshit. Donovan Mitchell was well aware that this Rudy Gobert trade was going to happen back to December. So this is not this is not nothing new. Yeah. The biggest question is, what is Leon Rose's threshold for frustration? Because I think that's where he's at with 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 Danny Ainge. That much has been made clear over the past at least three weeks. I, I mean, it, I think it was three weeks ago we first reported that. Mm -hmm. This is not surprising. This is not new. Uh, Ken Williams says Jazz doesn't want to trade Danny. That's why the price is too high. Donovan. I think that's why the price is very high. Yeah. I think that's why the price is very, very high. Yeah. I think when you look at where the where the Jazz are, um, you know, I think it is I think it's one of those things where you have to find a way. And this is just my opinion. Mm -hmm. If you are Danny Ainge, you have to find a way to keep the Knicks engaged. Right. Because if you can get four first round picks, I think you have to do that. I, I just don't think there's any doubt about that. Donovan Mitchell's value to you is four first-round picks. This is one of those rare situations where 
you don't have to make that move. You just don't have to do that. Yeah. So if you do trade Donovan Mitchell, this is a guy that's 25. He's not in his prime yet. He's busting his ass in the offseason. He's a very good citizen in your community. He's a good teammate in the locker room. There's no impetus to trade him. He's not asked to be traded. He's not demand to be traded. You better hold that bar high. Yeah. So, Ken, and, and, and to your point, yeah, I think that's absolutely right. Um, Pat08 Mullen says, I'm behind here, but you guys are delusional. You lost a major bowl. You didn't win OK Star Baylor. Both won their bowl. Let's calm down. It's about brand and Utah's brand. I like Utah, but calm down. Okay. You know. Um, Ryan Scandura, Leon wants to get this done because he's accumulated enough first round picks to trade for an all-star and he's traded out of his picks and passed on guys for more picks. So yeah, something needs to get done. I, I uh, depends on who you believe. I have the one thing I've consistently heard about Leon Rose is he's handled this exceptionally well. Yeah. He's operated at a very high level this off season. He's got a roster he can open the season with. I don't think, if I'm Leon Rose, and this is just my opinion, A, I walk away from this deal, no doubt. Mm -hmm. B, the next trade I make has to be transformative. If I'm going to give up five first-round picks and two of my own that are unprotected, it's got to be for a guy who puts me at the door. And then we just need to perform and develop to kick the door open. Donovan Mitchell doesn't put you at the top of the Eastern Conference. Thanks. He doesn't. Does Kevin Durant put you at the top of the Eastern Conference? Certainly. Certainly he does. But at this point, Kevin Durant's not available to you. Donovan Mitchell's available to you. If you trade five first-round picks, you're done. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. The money doesn't make any sense. The picks don't make any sense. The return doesn't make any sense. It's very difficult to justify this. That's why like this whole nonsense about, hey, eight first-round picks. Danny Ainge has never asked for eight first-round picks. You're casual. It's just, it's so out of left field, the yeah. reporting on that. It's so out of left field. The This reporting that they haven't talked in weeks is so out of left field. It's just not, and again, I'm not telling you what we know or how right we are, but I just ask you to go back and, and evaluate our, our truthfulness on our, our reporting. Evaluate the accuracy of our reporting since December on the Jazz. I think we've been pretty nails on it. Yeah. Danny Ainge in the Jazz, Leon Rose in the Knicks have communicated at least weekly and it through a lot of this process every other day over the holiday, yeah, they didn't talk for three, four days. But that's not abnormal. You weren't making this deal in that period anyway. And now you're in a situation where you have to go out and find a third team to make the dance party happen. So there's naturally going to be lulls in these processes. I think you're right, Scandura. I think that Leon Rose wants to make a deal. Yeah. I think Leon Rose knows that what he did at the draft cannot go for not for nothing. So he'd like to make a deal. I just think this is a huge mistake. Yeah, and I also think if I'm Leon Rose, I, I 
there's value to me there's value in in waiting in letting some of this season play out a bit i mean what happens to these trade conversations if donovan mitchell comes out and struggles this year i mean i doubt that's going to happen i don't think that anyone believes it's going to happen but what happens if donovan mitchell's value goes down now you have more leverage over danny Ainge in those conversations on the flip side of that if donovan mitchell comes out and does what we think he's going to do, you know, the conversation stays the same and the price stays the same. And the appetite of the organization and the fan base and like the culture in New York probably goes up to get Donovan Mitchell. I mean, if we're being honest, if he's doing 30 a night and 10 dimes and he's balling out to get that kind of talent to pair with Jalen Brunson and the rest of them, I think is is a no brainer. So we'll see. I, I think that I think that Leon's done a good job so far holding his water. But at some point, you you get to a portion of the conversation where you just have to say, okay, we're just going to put this on ice for for you know five to seven weeks, and I'll come back to you, and we'll see where we are. You know, let's let camp play out. Let's let you know the first couple of weeks of the season play out, and let's see where we are. Yeah, I think one of the other things that's so important is that you have to find a way. Um, you have to find a way if you're if you're the Knicks and and. If you're the Jazz, you have to get equal value here. And I think that's very difficult to do because Danny Ainge certainly is not in a situation where he can take a loss on this. Mm-hmm. I think that that much is is very clear. Oh, and I think that's the problem. You know, I, I mean, there's both both organizations are high risk in this situation. If you're Leon Rose and you mess this up and you've given away all your draft capital, that's a problem, right? Obviously, like you can't you, that cannot be allowed to happen. But if you're Danny Ainge, you're you're basically going and tearing down a playoff team, a regular, consistent playoff team, not a not a winner, but a playoff team, a money making team. You're tearing that down to do what? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And the the important thing, and I think the thing that is really crystallized here, is that there is an appetite to make this deal. And mm-hmm. as as we've said now. Um, you know, for the better part of a month, I think it's on the Knicks to make this deal happen. I think I've been told by our sources at the Jazz very clearly, Danny's open for business on Donovan Mitchell in one sense, to the New York Knicks, for one team, to the New York Knicks, for four unprotected first-round picks and a package of players. And again, I would just caution you, you, when you're in the Knicks position here, this deal cannot go south. It cannot be a deal that you quote unquote lose. And I think that's part of the issue that makes it so difficult for, for Leon Rose, the, the boss of the Knicks, to make this deal happen, to, to satiate the appetite of a fan base. And I think with the Knicks, you're in such a good position now that I think it's very difficult if you're the Knicks to, to even get anywhere near losing this deal. And how I, much does I the really Kevin Durant do. situation affect the Donovan Mitchell situation? Because because if you're the Knicks, you yeah. have the app or you have the resources to go and chase Kevin Durant, obviously, and, and to have that conversation with Brooklyn. But again, it's it's kind and it's kind of funny the position Leon Rose, again, the boss of the Knicks, finds himself in. In one hand, you have Danny Ainge, who's asking for more probably than Donovan Mitchell is worth. I mean, I think we can agree that Don is not worth for unprotected first-round picks, but that is the price right now because of the position the Utah Jazz are in. In the other hand, you have Kevin Durant, who who is my favorite player in the league, admittedly, but who is a malcontent right now, who has, who has this whole thing about fixing his reputation now that he's asked out of Brooklyn. And so Brooklyn wants a haul for that. So the difference is, if I'm Leon Rose comparing these two players, at least I know with Kevin Durant... He puts me at the top of the Eastern Conference. 
The difference is, is Donovan Mitchell doesn't do that. Yep, totally agree. 808 on the Monty Show. Okay, so um, what's going on with Kevin Durant? What's the latest on Kyrie and Katie, and how does that impact the Jazz? We'll tell you about that in two minutes after we tell you about our good friends at the Barbecue Pit Stop. Again, want to remind you, we are giving away a trip for two to see BYU and you are, I said it again. It's okay. BYU and Notre Dame at the Shamrock Series in Las Vegas. That's at Allegiant Stadium on October 8th. The trip is October 7th and 8th, and here's what you get. It's fabulous, friends. You get two tickets to the game to see BYU and Notre Dame. You get you get two nights at the Palms Resort Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas, and we're giving you a two hundred fifty dollar uh, gas card to get you there. And it's all thanks to our friends at Barbecue Pit Stop in Logan, Lehigh, Layton, St. George, and of course our good friends in Murray. I can't say enough about the Barbecue Pit Stop, and if you've never been there, you've got to go because if you're a barbecue guy or a smoker guy, and listen, I'm a smoker guy. I own a Traeger Ironwood 885. We joke all the time about flats versus drums on the show. I only learned how to use a smoker. I was all intimidated about it. I was scared. Like, I don't know how to do that. Let me get yeah. some charcoal briquettes. Right. No, no, friends. Let's change your life. Let's get you into a, a Yoder smoker, a Traeger smoker. How about a big green egg? They've got it all at the barbecue pit stop in Logan, Lehigh, Layton, Murray, and St. George. Just go in the store. You can ask them questions. How do you smoke a brisket? How do I smoke wings? Well, I can tell you right now, they taught me how to make wings on a Traeger. It's 35 minutes at 450 degrees. But first, you got to take those drumettes, not flats, because Jake... We don't do flats on this show, right? I, I guess not. I guess that's a new rule. You take those drumettes, you mix them up in a bowl with some of that Kinder Italian seasoning that you can get at Barbecue Italian Pit Stop. Italian Chop House seasoning. Oh, I love it get so it. much. You preheat that trigger. You put in the pellets. Get a bag of Competition Series pellets at Barbecue Pit Stop. Smoke those wings. The best wings you've ever had. 35 minutes on the trigger. Good to go. Get all that knowledge at Barbecue Pit Stop. We'll be at Barbecue Pit Stop in Lehigh September 17th for our watch party. Oregon and BYU at halftime of that game. We're going to pick the winner for the trip for two to the Shamrock Series to see BYU and Notre Dame in Las Vegas. Welcome to the show. Monty and Jake with you every morning, 630 Mountain. Talking about the biggest stories in Utah sports. And I think today, this Kevin Durant update is pretty interesting. Because I do think that it impacts the Utah Jazz. Because I think you also know that Danny Ainge has a lot of other assets that he's got to move. I think Mike Conley and Boyan Bogdanovich are two of those and probably at the top of the list. Mm -hmm. Because again, I will say, Boyan Bogdanovich is going to wind up on a contender. And I think he's going to be the cherry on top of that contender. And I, I, I think Dallas would love nothing more than to swap Tim Hardaway Jr. and Boyan Bogdanovich and have Boyan standing in the corner to hit that three to win a game. I think they would love that. And mm -hmm. I think that's exactly Boyan's value. I think they have a deal if they want to be a third team. I think Dallas could be involved in a in a, a Knicks-Jazz deal. I think the Lakers could be a third team. And this is where Kyrie and KD wind up coming into this story because you know for the longest time, the Nets have really tried to trade Kyrie Irving. He opted into his $37 million deal. But now we hear that the Nets are going to bring Kyrie Irving back to training camp. Bro, what are you this, talking about, man? Yeah, this Laker deal is not good enough for them to trade Kyrie Irving. The Lakers have been hanging on to those two uh, you know, future first-round picks they have. 
and they've been trying to do a deal. The problem is the Nets want nothing to do with Russell Westbrook's $47 million deal. Mm. So that deal's falling apart. Now, what does that mean? That means the Lakers have assets to make a trade. And that means that maybe this is where Leon Rose is going to get those two extra first-round picks that the Jazz need to pry Donovan Mitchell out of Salt Lake City. How likely do you think it is that the the Lakers get involved in this? Yeah, I mean, I, the, it's look, it's no secret the Lakers have to do something. I, I I think that this combination of of or really how they've handled it, where you brought in Darvin Ham to replace Frank Vogel, and you basically sent the message we're running it back. I don't think that running it back with Russell Westbrook works. I I just don't think that that combination of LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook works. I think Anthony Davis is too injury prone. I think Russell Westbrook and that shot just are are not in a good place. I, I'm being nice about it, but it, it was embarrassing last season. So if I'm the Lakers and I know the expectation is to win championships, not be in the play-in tournament, then I inherently know that bringing back Russell Westbrook specifically is not going to get the job done. But what do we also know about the Westbrook situation as far as trades are concerned? The Utah Jazz have no appetite to pay to buy out Russell Westbrook's uh, contract. That's not something that is a a conversation piece. So, yes, I do think the Lakers are going to be active. However, I don't think that we can just sit here and put together this three-team thing where, you know, those two extra picks go to the Jazz, but the price is buying out Russell Westbrook because I don't think that Danny Ainge has any interest in that. And And furthermore, I would say Danny Ainge, by doing that, would be doing other people a favor. Well, and I also think that's why this Kyrie report out of New York is so critically important. When you have Kyrie Irving going back to Brooklyn, I mean, let's say that happens. Mm -hmm. That eliminates this Laker deal. My question is, I I don't know why, if you're Danny Ainge, you would want Russell Westbrook's contract. That doesn't make sense to me. Well, I think the conversation is how bad do you want those two extra picks, and and frankly, how bad do you want to trade Donovan Mitchell, which we just said five minutes ago. He's not desperate to trade Donovan Mitchell. And that's why I say... I agree. You know, when we're talking about money, whether it's the Utah Jazz or the Los Angeles Lakers, you can't continue to make bad financial decision after bad financial decision and think that that's going to put you in a good place as far as draft picks and future trades are concerned. So that's why I say, I don't think that it's 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 fair to expect Danny Ainge to do anybody any favors. And I, and I really do believe in my heart that buying out the Russell Westbrook contract to get a Don deal done is doing someone a favor. Like, I think right now with the roster you have in Utah, you could be a a, 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 con, a contending team pretty easily with a couple of these other trades we've talked about. The Conley trade, yes. the Bogdanovich yes. trade. Like, yes. you could be good enough not to be a bottom dweller. And I think Danny's well aware of that. Yeah, we'll see. I, I think I think it's going to be very interesting to see how this whole Donovan Mitchell saga ends up because I actually think it's one of the most important moves in the history of the Utah Jazz. And I think when you're, when you're looking at the way the Jazz have done business, this Kyrie Irving report historically would be bad news for mm-hmm. the Jazz. I think with Danny Ainge operating and with Danny Ainge running the Jazz – I think this is actually very good news um, for the Jazz because I think it gives Danny a little more flexibility and it brings in other assets you wouldn't otherwise have access to. So mm-hmm. if I had to guess, and you know, here on August 23rd, if you were asking me to guess, I would tell you Donovan Mitchell winds up in New York the first week of September. I think it's 65-35 that trade gets gets. 
I think the right way to say that is I'd put it at 65-35 that Donovan goes to camp with the Jazz. Mm-hmm. I think that that 35% is growing daily because you just feel the momentum. And this net situation, as implausible as it seemed two weeks ago, it seems like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are ultimately going to end up back in Brooklyn. And it seems like ultimately that Kevin Durant isn't going to have his trade prayers answered. Mm -hmm. And I think that has a huge impact on the Jazz because they have a lot of picks, they have a lot of assets, and they've got three players that are in high, high demand around the league. And you've also got Mike Conley, who I think can get you a, a, a pick as part of a package of players. Because I also still maintain that the Atlanta Hawks have to make a deal. Right. I also still maintain the Toronto Raptors will make a deal. I want to make sure that we're all on the same page about the value of these picks to Danny Ainge, though. The value of the picks is not to go and make some noise in the draft. I want to make sure we're all on the same page about that. I would agree with the that. The value of the picks is to go and make other deals that bring you back to being that 45-50 win team as fast as possible. So I don't want people out there who are listening to the show right now thinking, hey, well, we're just trying to acquire all these all these picks so that we can go out and draft guys and be in like a five-year rebuild. It, there's a very good chance that you're going to be bad for two years, in my opinion. If you trade Donovan, you trade you know Conley and, my, uh, Conley and Bogdanovich, if you trade these guys and you bring in draft capital, yeah, you're not going to be the same team you were that's you know is without question. Yeah. But I do think because it's Danny Ainge and because of his track record, taking all those picks, you can transform that and turn yourself back into that 45-50 win, top five Western Conference team very quickly. And I think if I'm a Jazz fan, that's what I'm excited about. All right, let's uh, let's get some of your comments in here. Uh, M. Morris on the Jazz in the Knicks. He says, media fans will kill the Knicks if Mitchell doesn't happen. I don't know that they will. Well, because I think what you're starting to see is Leon Rose is, is letting a little bit out. Mm -hmm. He's putting a little bit out in the media because I think he knows that he's made what he feels like is a really good offer to Danny Ainge who just simply hasn't accepted it. And the idea that you're going to send Danny two first round unprotected picks and, you know, three other picks to go with that. And, you know, a, a package of players that includes Obi Toppin. Mm hmm. Leon Rose values that highly. Danny Ainge doesn't value that at all. And I think. That's how trades happen. One guy's got to give in. And it's going to be interesting to see who it is. And I think that's why Leon Rose is telling the media what's going on. Well, Danny Ainge has never been the I'm going to give in guy either. Yeah. In fact, he's notorious for not. Morris also says eight picks is so they can feel good with four. I don't think Danny's ever gone to Leon Rose and said, give me eight first round picks. I've been told repeatedly that never happened. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, ABC Kids Zone says, can the Knicks get another D. Mitchell comp player for less than four unprotected first-round picks? I doubt it. I doubt it, too. I think Donovan Mitchell, and this goes back to what do you think Donovan Mitchell turns into this year? Because I think when you look at, at what he's done this offseason, you look at the tape we've seen, you look at the, the workouts we've seen, you've seen a lot of mid-range game. You've seen a lot of quality, consistent three-point shooting. You've seen a lot of hops. His legs look fresh. This is a guy that's going to score 30 points a game this season. Mm -hmm. And if that happens, I think it's almost impossible for the Jazz to trade him. You don't trade a guy that scores 30 points a game. I, I This is Bradley Beal in Washington. You don't trade the best offensive players in the league. And if Don's scoring 30 points a game, he's certainly top seven and arguably top five. 
And I just don't think that makes a lot of sense to go and trade him. That's why I think his value is significantly higher now than it would be at the trade deadline. And by the way, if you bring him back this year and he's scoring 30 points a game and the All-Star game is right here in Salt Lake City, how do you make that trade leading up to the All-Star game? Can't do it. Because again, remember, the All-Star game is after the trade deadline. Yeah. So it makes it quite awkward from a PR perspective for the Jazz to make that move. Well, and I think if you're Leon Rose doesn't, and desperation is probably the wrong word, but doesn't your desire to get this deal done now go way up with that in mind? I mean, again, like if the price, because this is the problem. If we go back really quick and we think about Danny Ainge got that haul for Rudy Gobert, that wrecked the trade market and the value for guys. I so agree. that's where all of this kind of started. So now you get the Rudy Gobert deal done, the Kevin Durant stuff comes out, then the Knicks stuff starts happening. So if you're Leon Rose, your timing, again, with all due respect, wasn't great. It would have been nice for you to be in the news cycle and to be having this conversation well before that Gobert deal went down because I think then Donovan's price would have been much lower. But everything has shifted in Danny's favor. Hey, I got this for Gobert. By the way, I don't want to trade Don, so why, why would I acquiesce? Why would I compromise? And that's why I think it's a gridlock. That's why I think there's a good chance, in my opinion— that it that Don comes to camp as a Utah Jazz man. Yep, I agree. Brett Robbins says got different work hours, so I can never watch the live show, but still support you guys. Keep up the good work. I appreciate, appreciate you. you. Appreciate, appreciate you. you watching the show when uh, when you're not working. Uh, Richard McDonald says I hope they can get it done. Love Donnie. Don't want him to go. Yeah, you know, or it, can't get it done. Excuse me. Yeah, and, and I I think that's part of the the grind here, is that Donovan Mitchell has a a pretty strong fan base here, of. And I, I yeah. think it'd be awfully difficult to justify both Gobert and and Don. Hey, forty five looks much nicer. You know, if you're a Jazz fan, it's easier to buy that highlighter yellow uniform with a forty five <laughs> on it. No, it's not. Right? Don't, don't, like, come on. No, it's not. Come on. Those. No. Come on now. No. No. I won't. I'm not doing it. Uh, Top Chunky says, where else will Danny Fleece get this type of package other than New York? If the Knicks walk, Danny misses out on five first-round picks because he got greedy. Mm. I don't think it's greedy. I think mm. it's smart business. Danny Ainge doesn't have to do this deal. He's got a boatload of picks already. This is not a deal he's desperate to make. Yeah. Danny Ainge, and I know this frustrates Knicks fans, but Danny Ainge is in is in the catbird seat. Yeah. And this is why you see all the Utah Jazz fans saying, I hope this deal doesn't happen. He doesn't have to make this deal. He doesn't. He's got one of the best young scorers in the league right now. And if you can get five first-round picks, hey, that's great. But I just don't think you need to to make this deal. I and really don't. And don't. don't forget the Royce O'Neal trade. Everyone forgets that. That yeah. was at the very beginning of the offseason. He's a Brooklyn Net now. First-round pick. You got a 2023 first-round pick out of that. Like uh, Again, and I know it's only one pick, but when we're talking about this Don deal and like, hey, when's it going to happen or what are the ramifications, you're right. Danny does have a stockpile of picks right now. So it's not as though he's got none and he needs those. It would just be nice to have. Well, and Top Junkie also says Ainge also has DM adding wins to a 23 tanking team. They're not tanking. Ah, I just disagree. They're not tanking. Yeah. I, I, there's nothing that the Jazz have done to this point that says they're tanking. Okay, well, they traded Rudy Gobert. Well, I mean, you had to trade Rudy Gobert. He was a guy that was an offensive liability, and really, most of the time in the playoffs, a defensive liability late in games, who was making 23% of your salary cap. Mm -hmm. That's just, that's not that's not a way to do business, I, I don't think. Ryan Scandura says, I think Donovan Mitchell can be a top 10 player in the league. I think Donovan Mitchell can be the best scorer in the league. 
Yeah. He's 25 years old. I think Donovan Mitchell's upside is is immeasurable. I- immeasurable. There's there's no way to there's just no way to do that. Uh let's see. Talking with Raphael Podcast says, I see that we're missing a point guard shooting forward and power forward, but that's a casual way of saying it. What do you see is a must uh to add for the Jazz? You gotta get a big. Because Azabuki's not a a starting five in the NBA. Y'all feel me? You've got to get a legitimate five. And if that's Vanderbilt and you want to play smaller, I mean, this is why I wonder where is Hassan Whiteside? And what is what is Hassan Whiteside doing? Mm-hmm. Is he a guy that you would bring back? I mean, he was remarkably inconsistent on the mental side of the game last year. Yeah, I don't I definitely don't think you want him starting for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um Ryan Scandura says, I'll be honest, there's plenty of teams that can offer two un- unprotected first. Yeah, there is. A ton of them. Uh, ABC Kids Zone says, spill the beans. Which teams are considering trading for Patrick Beverly? I think there's probably half a dozen teams that would like to have Patrick Beverly. I've heard a lot about the Bulls. The Bulls and the Jazz formed an interesting relationship over the Rudy Gobert negotiations. They texted. I would keep an eye on that. I'd absolutely keep an eye on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I feel pretty good that there's, there's about half a dozen teams that would like Pat Bev. And I, I think the interesting one is, I don't know. I, I wonder about Milwaukee and Patrick Beverly mm-hmm. because I think Milwaukee knows they need that tenacity. They know they didn't have that tenacity last year. Well, and I think this is where the third team dynamic comes in. You know, the, Patrick Beverly is a guy who obviously is a, hey, I, he's like P.J. Tucker. One-year deals, and I want to bounce around, and I just want to consistently be on a team that's playing for a championship. That's all I care about. I don't care about the 18-year deal that's worth a billion dollars. I just want one-year deals that are worth fair valuation so I can play meaningful basketball. And so, the, the other team I'd watch is Philadelphia. I yeah. think Philadelphia is a very quiet operating team under the radar, behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And I think Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia is... I think that's a guy I'd watch. That's a team I'd watch for a guy like Patrick Beverly. Uh, Marlon Shaw says, if they do the deal, I hope it's with the Knicks. Give the Knicks history. We don't have to worry about it coming back to bite us in the backside. Wow. That hurts. I mean, I I think that... So this this conversation around how will... If the deal goes down and it is executed, how will three years from now, will we look back at this deal? Will we say, hey, you know, this right here on let's call it September 3rd or whenever the deal goes down mm-hmm. on that day, when the deal goes down, how will Utah jazz fans and people like us look back on that trade? Will we say, Hey, the day that Donovan Mitchell got traded, that was day one of this rise to NBA championship uh, level. W- will we be able to look back and say that, or will we look back and say that was the beginning of the end? This has been a bad team and even though, you know, the Utah Jazz did some nice things like with the TV deal, let's say, or any of those other conversations like with their jerseys, let's say, anything besides basketball, they've done some nice things. They're still just the Utah Jazz. They're a bad team and it just is what it is. How will it be remembered? That I'm curious about that. Yeah. History usually is unkind to one of the two. Yeah. So it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see. Ryan Skandura says, Pat Bev to the Bulls would be interesting. They have way too many guards already. Well... I think the Bulls also know that they're trying to reshape their, you know, the bottom half of their roster. They're trying to find, uh, you know, uh, Andre Drummond's an interesting ad for the Bulls. 
I mean, and, and I know we talk a ton of NBA on the show, and he's a guy that's come up more than once. Uh, Andre Drummond's a guy that had three, four different offers. He chose Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting to see the culture and the the desire to play defensive basketball again in Chicago because they have all the offense you need. The question is, if you replace a, you know, if you replace any of their second guards off the bench with Patrick Beverly, how much better are you? If you replace an Alex Caruso with a Patrick Beverly, how much better are you? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I mean, if I'm just being honest, all jokes aside about Alex Caruso, like, I think you're improving. I think Pat you're Beverly. Better. Yeah, I mean, there's. I just don't think you can doubt that. Pat Beverly. The thing with Pat Bev is he has the experience. Like, he has yeah. the ability to go and break Devin Booker's nose in the playoff and, and not get ejected for it. Like, he has the ability to be a problem for Kevin Durant. Like, he can do these things and be that pest. He's the guy you want on your team, but you hate if he's on the other team. Absolutely. So, I think that's yes. the, the greatness of Pat Bev. And he's cheap and he's noncommittal. So, I don't know. I think he's the guy. If I'm the Utah Jazz, I'm. he's not going to be on this team. I'm going to leverage Pat Bev and his ability in the league, uh, and I'm going to go out and try to find either another trade partner or a third team to get the Don deal done. That's what oh, you use him for. Jake, Holabilly says he's leaving, and he's moving to New York on September 3rd. Damn. Come on, man. Jackson Heaton says, with all the uncertainty around the Jazz right now, I'm glad we have Danny and Ryan steering the ship. We just got to trust them. They have a plan and they aren't stupid. See, How much do and you I trust them? How much do you trust? I agree with it. I agree. I, you know, oh. but I think it's a, a very fair question with with the jersey rollout and the TV situation. Where are you guys at on as far as the trust level with Ryan Smith? I mean, do mm. you believe that Ryan Smith is is going to make a difference? Do you believe that this is just another owner? Like, where are you guys at? I, I trust Ryan Smith. I, I'm a little disappointed in the TV deal and, you know, if you buy that they, they were locked in contractually or, okay, cool. They need a big win. They need they need a big win right now, and I think they know that. This All-Star game has the potential to be that big win. Yeah. Is it less of a win if Don's not there? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. It, it's simply a matter of if we go, if we jump five years into the future, has this team won a ring? I think right now that's a huge question mark. If they keep Donovan Mitchell, I think that that rings a little closer. If they keep Don, they've been to the Western Conference Finals in my I opinion, would agree with at that. At least. I would agree. I think he's that important. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. Uh, Kay Nuren says, if New York does the deal, they get the next Kobe or Michael. Don is just that good. Yeah. And uh, Kay, I know you're a Jazz fan. I think it, those of us that have watched Don, I don't know that he's Kobe good. He's He's right there, though. I mean, he is. He's Jason Tatum good. He's booked good. But he's like, got to start winning right now. Yeah. He's because he he's not getting any younger. He is not getting any younger. I, I just I'm telling you right now, he's not getting any younger. Uh ABC uh Kid Zone says Woj Shams get their news from Tony Jones. Tony Jones gets his news from the Monty show. You guys are always first. Not enough credit. Well, I appreciate, I appreciate that. that, bro. I think Tony Jones is as well connected as anybody. So that that's flattering that you would make that comparison. Brandon Butler says Ryan and Danny are still untying the knots that the Miller family tied around the organization's neck. I agree with that. And I think that the Rudy Gobert deal, and really it's not even the Miller family. I mean, the Miller family serve this community remarkably well. The Dennis Lindsay knots are tough to unwind. Yeah. Like they are, I mean, you're paying for that in a lot of different ways. Yeah. A lot. Uh, Brett Robbins, final comment on this says, uh, I trust Danny Ainge. 
He will maybe not make the best of the best moves, but he damn sure tries. Ryan, I don't trust at all. It plummeted with those jerseys for me. Oh man, I cannot tell you how many Jazz fans have I'm, said that. I'm telling you, the the jersey thing. Like I know it's like I guess I hesitate to say this, but it's just jerseys. Like it's it's not as though this is like a new building or something. Like it's just jerseys they're wearing this year. But it matters, bro. Like like if you have a bad jersey reveal and, yes. and people don't like them. That really, I do feel like, is a big turnoff. And and it's so funny we talk about jerseys. Like, earlier in the show, we were talking about, like, how much does Nike versus Under Armour matter? Or how much does that matter to a college recruit? Like, whether you're a college recruit or you're a Utah Jazz fan or whatever the case may be, it absolutely matters. If you have yes, fire-ass jerseys, but your team sucks, you're still going to show up. And I, and I just think that, like... They have to do something. I don't think these jerseys See, will last more than a year. But the problem is Jackson Heaton disagrees with you. He says jerseys are low-key fire. And this is the thing. My guy, uh, my yeah. guy Caleb. Yeah. My guy Caleb yeah. loves those yellow jerseys. He's is, that, is, he was at Summer League with that yellow hat on. Is, um, who's commenter's name? Jackson Heaton. Jackson, I mean, is it, what is your favorite colorway of the new one? Is it, because my, out of the three, if I had to pick, I would definitely be going with the black ones. Oh, I like the, far. I mean, the black ones yeah. to me are the best out of the three. I think the white jersey looks like a, a practice jersey. Yeah. I think it looks like a G League jersey. And I, I think the yellow one has some value. I think I mean, the I, yellow one depends on the floor design. And, and I want to let's together. leave the purple out of this. Yeah. Please leave the purple. Like the, the purple by far. Right? Okay, great. We can all yeah, agree, we all on, agree that. on that. I think the black one's the best one. Yeah. And I know we've talked about this ad nauseum. Yeah. Uh, Jackson says, I dig the black. Yeah. Uh, they're so sick. I yeah. Don't, yeah. You see what I mean? So like, I think we can all agree the black ones are good. It's. I'm just telling you, it's that yellow one that's just rough, man. Riley O'Brien says those jerseys aren't great, but they're going to look all right on the court, especially the black ones. They're just jerseys. It matters, but they're not awful. Could be better, but they're okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jackson says the floor paint looks dope. See, I agree with him. I think the 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 <laughs> here, matters. Here's the problem. But here's the problem: the floors are way better than the jersey. Yeah. Yeah, right? they like, are. How is that possible? Yes, they are. How is that the building? By the way, the building is going to be fire. I mean, with all the upgrades for the All Star Game, and the building is going to be fire. Yeah, yeah. those floor yeah. The, that mm, the purple mountain, the purple stuff is legendary, unbeatable. Yeah. All right, I digress because we have to uh, we have to move off of Donnie trade rumors, right? And we have to get depressed, and we have to be sad. Donnie, please. And that's because your favorite foods are killing you. It's really despicable. Now, I'm somebody who reads the um, Eat This, Not That blog. And if you don't read Eat This, Not That, you're crazy. Mm -hmm. It is, I love that blog. Fat. It is one of my favorite blogs. I love it. They let go of a story today of the five things to avoid and to eat <sighs> to live a longer, help, healthier, happier life. Let me guess, and I haven't read the article, these are all things that... That I would, uh, that I would love. I'm assuming the things that are killing you are absolutely things that are killing you, mm -hmm. and I can only tell you the one that hurts me, and it hurts me so deeply. Right, like it cuts through all of this fat, and uh, you know, deep into my core. And I wish they'd just give me some lipo while they're cutting through all that. <clears throat> but anyway, the point is, apple pie. 
What? Is a top Come the list. Come on, dude. Apple pie is a Bro, top the okay. list. Costco um, apple pie is by far my favorite dessert. And in, 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 uh, in, in the only thing that tops Costco apple pie is butter cake at Mastro's Ocean. No. Pie, dude. dude, apple pie yes. is killer that, that it's... Man, that sucks. It is. Mrs. Monty, good morning to you, as I what? must... That was one of the top things on the list, apple pie? To avoid, yes. Apple pie is one of the, and believe it or not. What number is this? Believe it or not. Well, they group them all together of the things you should avoid. Uh. Here are the things you should avoid. Number one, uh, number four is ultra processed foods. Well, uh, duh. <clears throat> and number one on the ultra processed foods list is apple pie. Fat. It's terrible. Dang. They I, say uh, ultra processed food include French fries, corn chips, um, right. rather than vegetable corn and apple pie. Unfortunately, ultra processed foods like apple pie are abundant uh, at the grocery store and restaurants, but they don't have to be fully eliminated to maintain a healthy diet. Try indulging in one serving per meal. I I'm wondering if it's the, the way that they're making, because like I could make an apple pie at home and I wouldn't right, but say who that does it's that? the worst thing but in who the world. Nobody does, who does that? that. Nobody does that. Nobody does that. And you by go the way, to Costco I, and you watch them pour like bags and pounds of sugar into the apple mixture that essentially eliminates yeah. any of the value that the apples bring. Y'all feel yeah. Yeah. Can mean, we just redefine healthy. serving styles? Healthy, it it like... does clearly say there that you they only want you to have one serving. So can one serving just be the whole thing? Is yeah, that okay? can we just say one serving of yeah. apple pie is the entire yeah, is that apple okay? pie? Is that all right? Can we do that? Yeah. No. Come on. Absolutely not. Okay, so apple pie, what's the next item on the list? Uh, the next item on the list that you should avoid is alcohol. Oh. It says that alcohol guts your metabolism system. In your body, it completely brings your meta metabolism to a halt. People who misuse alcohol also have an increased risk of heart disease, stroke, sleep yeah. disorder, and certain cancers. Yeah. Alcohol impacts uh, several components of the metabolic process, which guts the American guidelines for dietary health. That's cute. I remember when I had yeah. my first beer. I remember my first beer, too, and I hated it, and I still hate beer. But you're a wine drinker. I, you know, yeah, I, I like to have a, a cocktail or a glass of wine, yes, but yes, yes. really I haven't been drinking hardly at all. You haven't been, you really have. Uh, and, and I'll give you, and, and what's happened though, if we're, if we're truth telling, and if you follow Mrs. Monty on Twitter, which you see there, uh, at Mrs. Monty show, what, what's happened to you now that you've, you've drank, been drinking far less? Well, you've thinned out pretty substantially. Right? I, I would not attribute that to not. I didn't drink that much all anyways. So no, I but attribute it, that the not. But it's alcohol. part of it, isn't it? Part of it. I I think I could have drank a lot more calories if I had like I never was a heavy drinker. So no, I, but I, I think when you throw in a when you throw it when we get it we have a hot tub a custom built hot tub, and you get in there and you have like a mixed drink. Yeah. Not only are you getting the alcohol, but you're getting the cranberry juice, the well, strawberry juice. What are you juice, getting? A couple the, hundred calories out of that, probably. Oh yeah, you know, but it's the, all, you know, a but it's drink. liquid. It, it's yeah. liquid and it's full of sugar. Yeah. We, by the way, we were at uh, Harmon's the other day with this Pepsi product. You know, it is nitro, nitro. soda. Yeah, please. it's it, it's what do they call it? Like soda from the tap. That like it, it comes out of a tap and they put it in a can. Yeah. Sixty-two grams of sugar. 
in one can of soda, Bro. 62 yeah. grams. And that's what I'm of saying. Sugar. Soda, man, cutting out soda is one of the best things you can do. Yeah. Yeah. By I, the I, way, one of the other foods, not to interrupt you, Mrs. Matsubi, one of the other foods they say you must eliminate potato chips. Come on. Like, aren't these all our favorite oh. things? There's t- the one of the what did I say the other thing was French fries. Dang, yeah. I love ruffles. French fries. I was fries. reading an article about French fries, and when you have to use such a high heat, it's the same thing for yes, you know, um, <clears throat> meats. Um, but when you have to use a, a high heat, it creates uh, like a chemical that's really not good for you. One it's of like the carcinogen. You, look at you, Mrs. Monty, you genius. One of the things on this list: well done, red meat. That's why well we don't done do well, red meat. That's why we don't do well done red meat. Charbroiled, charbroiled red meat is, it is supposedly is... stocked with carcinogens. But again, again, not just because they advertise on the show. Get a smoker, bro. That's why smokers are partially yes. better, man. Because you're yeah. not getting that charcoal sort of carcinogens. I guess is the word. You know. It's yeah. Different. When you, it, you know, the grill marks that you get when you put it on a grill, or like if you go to a Mastro's or a Ruth's mm-hmm. Chris. And you see those char grill marks on your steak. Those are those apparently are bad for you. It's a well, it's a, it's a flame grilled piece of meat. That's yeah. different than 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 burning a, a pellet that creates heat and smoke. That's different, you know. So yeah, I, uh, either way, though, I, I just love all these foods. Yeah. Anyway, I, so we love all these foods, and they're killing us. They're killing. You can what double we're down on the bad by like getting a McDonald's pie because they not only it's not only full of sugar and fat like they deep fry but what did you say jake this morning somebody introduced like a new french toast oh yeah wendy's wendy's is on a full marketing campaign about how they've rolled out french toast sticks as part of their breakfast menu and i'm just here to tell you i'm never getting french toast but dude i gotta tell you i gotta tell you i get french toast sticks every time i go to mcdonald's in the form of a mcgriddle yeah. That thing is amazing. The McGriddle's bomb. Oh, and they're my horrible God. for you. Oh, that terrible. Full of sugar and crap. Terrible like... for you. Terrible. By the <laughs> way, I also get a sausage McGriddle, which is terrible for yeah. you. Yeah. They say processed meats. One of the things horrible. I ate, I ate a ton of salami as a kid. Right. Growing up Italian, yeah. let me tell you, I ate a ton. So, a couple other things I want to put on here the type of uh, whole grain that you eat. Right. Millet is apparently. Terrible for you. It, it millet. Really? Millet. Yeah. It almost brings your thyroid to a complete stop. Really? Yes. They say um, that this. you are much better off with whole wheat, quinoa, quino. Um, <laughs> quino. <laughs> the quino. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, whole wheat, quinoa, rice, or sorghum. Sorghum. Are we clear on that? Sorghum. They say that millet brings your thyroid to a complete stop. Okay, so I wonder is, how much millet you'd have to eat. But hold on, to do is that? millet like, in oatmeal or like no, where do you find grain, millet? It's a very tiny grain. We don't use it very much here in the U.S. Um, Not at all. Yeah, it it is. Um, it says that it it damages your thyroid function, um, and also uh, it apparently brings on uh, iodine deficiency. Millet is one of the worst foods that zaps your system of iodine. Jeez. I've never heard this. Yeah, it's crazy. By the way, to just ruin your day a little more with this story. Right, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, just torpedo your happiness. Right. The number one food you should avoid. Does anybody want to take a guess? The number one food that you should avoid to live a longer, healthier life. I mean, it's got to have something with sugar or... Ooh. I mean... I'm going to say bacon. Wrong. Oh, I love bacon. 
I love bacon too. I don't eat bacon. Well, anymore. well, the only thing we haven't really talked about would be like candy bars. Or Ding! Candy. Yeah. Candy. Candy. It may not be a shock that candy isn't helping our health, yeah. but even more devastating side effects of excess candy consumption um, include cardio cardiometabolic syndrome and added sugars, namely those above 50 grams a day. I'm screwed. So if you eat more than 50 grams a day of added sugar, specifically confection sugar, so they talk about candy, but they also mention baked goods, mm -hmm. donuts, anything more than 50 grams One a day. One can of Pepsi Nitro. Yeah. 63 But grams. is that, so is yes. that the same though? Is yeah. It, is oh, that, is, oh, yeah. It's the same. Yeah. yeah, it's essentially, there was a, um, there was a documentary some days ago that we used to watch way back in the day where they went inside of a, uh, I think it was a Coca-Cola bottling, like a soda plant. making plant. Yeah. And it's literally just a huge canister of sugar above a no big kidding. a big vat. Yeah. It's it's dude, it's gnar. No, it I mean, is it is absolutely I'm telling you, gnar. Drinking your calories is rough, man. You can't do it. Like you gotta avoid it. All right. So today is National Cheap Flight Day. Right. So before hey we before we bail out of here today. Are you an airline snob? Because I got to tell you, I'm not the guy that's out looking for airline deals. Uh-huh. Why I'm, is that? I, because, like, we're going to Hawaii. What are you looking at on your phone, Mrs. Mati? You look what? rather it, compelled. It, oh, I'm sorry. I, she just looked like, hey, I'm holding my phone. Come over and ask me what I'm looking at. Um, we're going to Hawaii in two weeks. Right. And actually, geez, you guys... I know. It's a week from Friday. I know, yeah. dude. I'm ready. I know. Well, yeah, how by, by the way, how ready are we? Oh, like yeah. uh, incredibly so ready. ready. Incredibly oh, ready. By the way, we're doing shows in Hawaii, so I don't want comments about how we're taking 2 weeks off cuz we're not. We're not. We're doing shows while we're in Hawaii. Yes. But we're we're flying to Hawaii. My sister-in-law, Britt's sister is getting married. Yeah. And then uh so we're going to spend a week on Kona and then we're doing 5 days on Maui. Hell yeah. And we're flying first class on Delta. Hell yeah. Now, listen, I'm better than you. Uh, I'm well, better looking. We, I'm, we, we. Yeah, me and Mrs. Monty are better That's than. That's not very nice. <laughs> That's not very <laughs> nice. It's rough and tough um, crowd today. Anyway. No, I'm kidding. So we're flying first class on Delta. Right. Yes. Yeah. And we had this discussion preparing for the show last night. Mm -hmm. Are you somebody that can lower yourself? Okay, like pick up the microphone. Are you somebody that can lower yourself down here to fly Southwest Airlines? Obviously not. I can for a short local flight. For like you a, can if if I could get you know like if I needed to fly to Phoenix um, and I I wanted to just go for the weekend, I'd be more likely to do um, you know two fifty nine dollar flights if that was an option. That the thing is is like it's not normally an option. So, but if I did have a route. Where if it was like a popular route, like L.A. to Phoenix, mm -hmm. uh, L.A. to Vegas, short flights like that, Southwest, I'm good with. I have done a few business flights where that's like the best route to get wherever I'm going. But overall, I'm not a huge Southwester. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, how about we tell you the ranking of the, the airlines that, that have the highest satisfaction okay. score? Okay. 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 The list which was put out January 28th of this year, ranked the nine largest U.S. airlines based on their performance across seven categories. On time, canceled flights, extreme delays, tarmac waits longer than two hours, lost or mishandled luggage, mm. and passengers being involuntarily bumped from flights. 
the worst ranking. Number nine, JetBlue. I'm a little surprised really? by that. I've flown JetBlue, and I know, Mrs. Monty, you have as well. Yeah, you it's know. been a long time, though, because they don't fly anywhere where I am. So Yeah, but, they're just regional, right? But yeah, back... Well, no, but they have very select routes. They uh-huh. have limited routes, right? But back in the day when I was working at uh, 95-7 The Game and KMBR in San Francisco, we used. I lived in L.A., and I used to fly back and forth all the time right. on JetBlue. JetBlue. Yeah, and it was great. That was... Into Long 10, Beach Airport. 11 years ago. That was 12 years ago. Right. So, right? I mean, yeah, back back then I had flown them a few times, but it was always very rare. Yes. Uh, I did love that they gave you a cookie, but... And I do love Long Beach Airport. Mm, I love uh, Long yes. Beach Airport. Yeah, if you've the never been, airport. yeah, okay. it's phenomenal. Next on so the list. So, worst, number nine, JetBlue. Right. Number eight, not surprising at all, Spirit Airlines. Yeah, yeah I can't do it. Can't I have never it. said I would do that. Who, who, who? Tied for number who? six and seven. Yeah. Frontier and American Airlines. Oh, American? Damn, American? American wow. Air. Can you believe that American Airlines, a major American carrier? That far down. Yeah. I wonder. You- I wonder what it is. I mean, I, I have to think that that a lot of this. Yeah. I mean, is I mean, you listed some of the criteria. But I have to think that a lot of it is just that that consumer experience, man. Like you yeah. know, the 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 time that we're not allowed to talk about on YouTube because YouTube doesn't like letting us talk about it with the mask uh, and the stuff with the in mask your and the stuff. Uh, you know, really affected <laughs> the airlines. So clearly, well, and they haven't recovered yet. Yeah, and, and well, that's what I was gonna say. Just like anything else in life, I'm guessing the big boys were able to sustain a little better than maybe American or JetBlue or you know some of these other ones. So here are the five highest rated airlines right. in the U.S. And this is shocking because I would never fly Allegiant. Nah. I've never flown it. Number four, United Airlines. Okay. Number three, Mrs. Monty, Southwest Airlines. Doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Number two is Alaska Airlines. <laughs> what you know. The yeah. most terrifying flight I've ever had. Yeah, no, I'm good. Was Los Angeles to Reno, South Lake Tahoe. Mm-hmm. On a turboprop plane, and I was terrified um, the entire time. I almost nah, died. It was I'm many. Good. That had to be 2007. You're fine. For my birthday, I almost died. Code 10 abort. Oh my God. A little pee came out. I almost died. Yeah, no, I'm good. Um, Number one, Delta Airlines. Let's Yay! go, baby. Delta, our hometown airline, Delta Airlines. Yeah, big, yeah. big fan of now, Delta. Now, I, I think it's important to read this one last thing about this story. The analysis found that JetBlue had the highest rate of extreme delays and incidents where passengers had to wait on the tarmac for at least two hours. Ugh. Can't at have least it. two hours. JetBlue also had the second fewest on-time arrivals behind only Allegiant Air and the second most customer complaints behind Spirit. I mean, yeah. that's brutal. Yeah, That is brutal. brutal that it, their service has gone down that much. Yeah. yeah. You know what? Uh, I used to love American Airlines. I used to have really good service. I yes. used to have a lot of flight routes that I liked. I had good perks with them. So I, I always flew American. And even before the, the Coco, it was, you know, they were already declining in service. Their staff is yes. angry. They are not friendly. They are curt, like just, you know. Why do you not, like, twist your face up ugh, like that? Because it's awful. One time... um. <laughs> One time, American Airlines sent me these little, like, coupons that you could thank uh, a staff member. So you could, like, give them. And I'm yeah. sure they get some sort of, you know, perk every time they get one of those. And 
I hadn't had the opportunity to use one and I was on the plane and I was like, oh, this lady's nice. And so I said to her, I didn't catch your name because you have to write the person's name on the ticket. Yeah. Right. And she said, well, I didn't say it. Oh, wow. And I was like, let me oh. put that right back in my pocket. Well, Jeez. excuse me. And you can have a good day. Well, excuse me. Elon. You know, exactly. Like, the funny are you thing in is. service or not? Like, are you, are you supposed to be customer service yeah. or not? But look at these comments. Marlon Shaw says, wow, American is my favorite. Renee Roca. I love American. I fly it anytime I can. Renee also says Southwest is awesome. If you don't want to uh, want to sit with your travel partner and spend eight hours waiting on people packing huge bags <laughs> into the overhead. Yay. I agree with that. Kay Nuren says credit card points is how we do vacations. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. But there's a lot of not respect for Southwest. Like Renee Roca also says, not a fan of Southwest. People are nice, but you don't get to book a seat. Not worth it. Yeah, I don't like that. See, yeah. that's a big thing for me. I, I want to like be able to. Call. Dude, I want to choose my I know. seat. Well, I look at it. look at my jazz fan. The $50 you save using Southwest isn't worth it. Yeah. And, and I agree with that. It depends. Like, what's your situation? Maybe all you care about is getting there. So, you don't, you know, you're a single traveler. Maybe you're just cool with, I just need to get there. I don't care where I sit. It's a good deal. And yep. they are very friendly. They they are a lot of fun on yeah. their on their airline. So, you I know, agree. that works out. But if you're traveling with someone uh, or with kids, like I just think it's a recipe for disaster. But here's one other thing I want to add about Southwest. Uh-oh. Uh, I was reading an article actually about Hawaii and Hawaii. the undercutting that Southwest is doing. And they are undercutting, so they offer uh, inter-island flights. So like island hopper flights for $39 each, you know, oh, wow. each way, right? Nice. Great deal. It's totally not sustainable. It actually costs the airline more to um to actually to sell you the ticket for $39. It costs more to get you there. So all of the fees they have to pay, right. fuel, right, right. You know, yeah. everything, staff. Um so essentially one of the things that I read was that Southwest is hoping that you're going to pay the money to get your to try and get your seat because you know you can pay extra. Right? Yeah, right. Well, you can pay yeah. more. You yeah, can pay extra to try and get that seat. And we usually do. We usually do pay extra to try and get that get to the A group. Yeah, because yeah. I I I am not sitting in the back of planes. I'm 17 feet tall, dude. Like I am not. I mm. <laughs> SLC Peace Shooter says uh, just book Maui for 2023. Let's, Let's up and go. go. Uh, Gabe Ledley says book cheap SLC flights for September 17th. You casuals, Gabe, I appreciate you. You see, Gabe is flying in. Yeah. to be at our event at Barbecue Pit Stop on September 17th, and I am really excited about that. By Do the you... way, we're smoking pizza there. We're smoking wings there. You're gonna get the first hand experience of the greatness. It's gonna be amazing. Yeah, come on. It's gonna be amazing. Come on. Ruff's officials upset. Oh God. Uh oh. Says the people who look down at their nose at Southwest probably have a ton of credit card debt. I, uh, I don't, I don't I have, have any zero credit, credit card, card debt. debt. Yeah, I don't yeah. Have credit but card I understand debt, what you're saying. Like Southwest serves a purpose. Now the stuff they do, like you just have to be willing. You got to be willing to stand in line. <coughs> don't fly Southwest at a Long Beach Airport in California. I have never seen such insane lines that are way outside nah, of their tiny terminal hours long of waiting to check in i was like oh my god yeah no. <laughs> what is this no, southwest I'm okay i'm good i'm not on southwest yeah i i just can't do it i i i, I just can't do it 
I cannot do it. Uh, what you can do is buy that house you've always uh, dreamed of. I want to, uh, before we get out of here, I want to remind you, uh, this hour of the show brought to you by Dever Davis at Academy Mortgage. And we we seem to talk about this all the time. Can you afford, can I, I, can't, I don't have a down payment. I can't buy a house. Sure you can. Dever Davis at Academy Mortgage is your guy. He's done three mortgages for me. And trust me when I tell you, if you just pick up the phone and you call somebody off of the internet or you're calling essentially a, a, a real estate farm where all they look at you as is another dollar figure deal. When you call a guy like Devery Davis, you're a client of Devery Davis. You're somebody that is important to Devery Davis because he cares about the outcome of your deal because he wants your business on repeat. He wants your business, your friend's business, your family's business. So he's going to take exceptional care of you. And by the way, he's taking exceptional care of my friends and family. I, I again will just tell you, when I'm, well, I, fought, I bought my first house from Devery Davis at Academy Mortgage. Mm-hmm. I bought my second house in Arizona from Devery Davis at Academy Mortgage. This house I live in now, I bought it from Devery Davis. And this house is a great example of the current market. We had competitive bids for this house. Devery Davis made us a cash buyer. Now, did I have cash to pay for this house? I didn't. But Devery Davis gave us a letter that said, hey, this guy is pre-approved, no contingencies. Let's do this. And sure Unreal. enough, that won us to deal. That's the kind of service you get with Devery Davis. And for all of you who are looking at refis, and for all of you who are like, hey, my house is worth 500, I paid 200, I want my 300. Call Devery Davis today. Refi rates are great right now. Home values for for buyers who've, who've had their home for five years, you're way up here versus what you paid. Call Devery, take advantage of that. If you're somebody that's been, you know, thinking about refining and you bid on the fence, get off the fence. Call Devery Davis at Academy Mortgage. 801-543-9666. 801-543-9666. Tell them Monty sent you to Devery Davis at Academy Mortgage. 278-545 is his NMLS number. Devery Davis, Academy Mortgage are equal housing lenders. Show flew by today. Very fast. Thank you to everybody Very who watched fast. the show. Again, get to your local barbecue pit stop. Any other five Utah locations: uh, Le- Layton, Lehigh, Logan, Salt Lake City, and St. George. There's an enter to win box. Let us send you to Vegas. You get two nights at the Palms Casino Resort Hotel, two tickets to see BYU and Notre Dame at the Shamrock Series at Allegiant Stadium, October seventh and eighth. All you got to do is go to Barbecue Pit Stop, then join us September 17th for our watch party and grand prize giveaway at the Barbecue Pit Stop in Lehigh. Until tomorrow, Jake. Um, say drums over flats. Drums uh-huh. over flats in the cubicle camp. Bye-bye. Bye.